Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Alrighty, Boxhead. Last one for the year, season reviews and our award show. Um, it's been a good year, another good year. For the show or for the NRL? Oh, I think... I think <clears> like it's been th- a good year for the show. I like to think the show's had a good year. Been think, good for the show. I think the NRL's had the its NRL's up. The NRL's been steady. It's had its ups and downs as always. Yeah. Good final series and good origin series obviously well, the, make I a think big the difference. the first two weeks of the finals were good. The preliminary finals and the grand final were a bit... Left a bit to be desired, but... Origin was good. Origin was fantastic. It was a good series. It was close the whole way through. Even game three being a dead rubber, I thought was a really good game of football. Those two things are highlights. Yeah. Obviously, we had the penalty crackdown at the start of the year. It was a little bit annoying, and some people were frustrated. Uh, back into the year, things opened up again a little bit. So, I guess with all those things in tow, and then a couple off-field issues right at the back end here, which aren't that great, it's, it's been a pretty good year. But for the show, yeah, I'd like to think it's been a good year. It has been a good year. The fans obviously let us know when everything finishes up, but anyone that hasn't listened to before to our season reviews or our award show. Uh, we've got our own team of the year. We do it differently to what the Daly and the NRL and all that do. We actually pick a 1 to 13, and then we have four players on the bench. There's no specifics about who you put on the bench. So if there's been, you know, four halves that had really good years, you can literally pick four guys. It's basically, you know, kind of uh, second chance, yeah. I guess, for players on the bench. But... We go 1 to 17, fill up a whole team, uh, and then we've got some other categories best buy, worst buy, overrated player, bits and pieces like this. And then uh, reviews we do differently as well. We go from last place to first, but not in the order they finished at the end of the rounds, the order they were eliminated, yeah. which ended up working out basically almost as they were. So should be pretty straightforward, but yeah. we'll kick things off with our awards this year boxhead and the first one we have is our rep player of the year for the fifth so who do you have for your rep player? I've got uh, James Tedesco he should have won the medal he didn't um, and that was a bit of a shame it's probably the only sore point to come out of origin I think I've got James Tedesco as well and again I think I was with you and we said this at the time I think between him and Damien Cook they were the two that probably contributed the most to the series and I thought Boyd Cordner uh, obviously had a pretty good series and answered critics, in particular Gus Gould's comments beforehand. And from the Queensland side of things, I think I said at the time that Dane Gagai, I thought last year was their best player. And again, this year was pretty close to it. He seems to grow a completely different leg in origin, but we're unanimous there. Our rep player of the year, James Tedesco. Most improved player. I think this one's going to be pretty easy as well. Yeah, Cook. Damien Cook. What else needs to be said? Um, again, I don't take any pro- a privilege in saying things like this, but I'm pretty sure you'll back me up. I've been calling the last few years for him to start when he was we the both Dogs. Caught about it when he left the Dragons. I couldn't understand why he kept getting moved on from clubs. And then at Maguire, <clears> picking <throat> Farrah and hesitating last year and giving him a sniff at the back end. But Seabold did the right thing. He came in. He made that decision. Look how that's panned out. 
Yeah. Not only did he turn into a great first grade hooker, he's now the Australian hooker. Yeah. Within 12 months, so I don't think it's a lot of rocket scientists behind being the most improved player in the competition. So again, we are unanimous with our most improved player. Rookie of the year, again, we're different to the NRL. Dalian kind of set up. They ban players who are suspended, and the only rule that we use similar is under the five-game rule. So I'm letting you know now just in case. That means Victor Radley qualifies. Yeah, and I've got in Radley. that circumstance, I pick Victor Radley. Same. So under five games last year, he only played three. There was some other good rookies. Jermaine Asako, I know he scored a lot of tries, had a good year, kicked some goals. AJ Brimson, I thought, was phenomenal. Well, the only reason Radley didn't win it is because the NRL's got this stupid rule that if you get suspended, yeah. then you can't, you can't win it. And Jesse so. Raymond was good as well. But Victor Radley, uh, we said it before, how many positions can the black play? He can play 13, he can slot in the back row. He's skillful enough to play six if you need him to. I was talking, he was threatening Jake Friend at poor form at the start of the year to play hooker. He hits like a truck. He's just he ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Him and Cam Murray are two that we spoke about in particular that are really good footballers. And I know you hate that term, but he like he is. He's not an athlete. He's not a body, but he's got a lot of strings to his bow. He's not a kid that's got through on natural ability and physical talent, but he's tackle tech, he's carry, his aggressiveness, like he's he's got a passing game. There's just a lot to him. Um he's the clear cut rookie of the year. Yeah. So congrats to him and like I said, I was really impressed by Brimson. Raymond's going to be great for Newcastle, and Azarko obviously showed his wares up there at Brisbane. Yeah. Super sub, one that we've had the last couple of years, and there's been some clear-cut ones, and I like the fact that they brought this into the Daliums this year, and my super sub is the exact same player in Jazz Tavunga. A bloke that came through the grades playing hooker, this year off the bench for them, the amount of offloads he gets for a smaller man, he's very awkward to tackle. Uh, his work rate's phenomenal. He's very busy in defense, but the offloads in particular in the second phase play, I, I thought he was really, really good for the Warriors, and... He had about five or six clubs the other week. There was talk about the Storm and a lot of Sydney clubs are after him, but he's ended up staying in New Zealand. But very surprising. Um, but, yeah, he's my super sub. Yeah, I've got um, Cam Murray from South. Yep, rightly so as well. Back into the year when he kind of went oh, into that role. He was clearly the best best player not to be starting in a team. And um, I think next year he'll they've got to find a spot for him in the starting side. Yeah. So first one we're different on there is the super sub. Best coach, uh, again, I think this is pretty clear cut, and I've gone Anthony Seabold. Yeah, I've gone Robinson. Yeah. Seabold, for me, I thought got found out a little bit at the back end of the year, and Robinson, um, what he did with that side was impressive. I think they got better every week. Uh, I, you know, I thought they played their worst football at the start of the year, and they played their best football at the end of the year, and that's, to me, a sign of a good coach. Yep, I think I'm only, again, best coach. You can you can make it off very different things. I had three names there. Seabold, Robinson, Bellamy. Robinson, I think, had the They're best. They're clear, the, the top three. I think Robinson had the best side or the most to work with. But like you said, you've got to make it all fit together. You've got to bring it together. They're the best defensive side. They got the job done when it mattered the most. Craig Bellamy, again, people know that I go for Melbourne, but I don't care what anyone says. What we achieved this year, or what they achieved as a club, considering the losses, three different halfbacks in the origin period, Yeah, they weren't the top two side to me. They were fourth if I was looking at all the rosters and they got to the grand final. And Seabold, I didn't have South in the finals, but I said it a million times in our preview that I went back and listened to. I think that's one I'm going to regret. Um, and in one year, the only difference they had in player was he started Cook and they had Gagai come over. And they've gone from being 12th to playing in a preliminary final. So it's pretty exceptional for a first season. So on that growth, I guess, alone and being a first year, that's why I went with Seabold. But any of those three, I'd be happy with Yep. You could argue for all of them. Yeah. So. We're splitting hairs. Yeah. Worst coach, again, I think there's two guys that could probably take the mantle for this one. But I think there's only one. I'm going to go for Brad Arthur. I went for Anthony Griffin. All right. 
because he was the only coach to get sacked. Um, and yeah. at the start of the year, I, uh, I called it that shit was going to hit the fan at Penrith. I, I thought it had happened before a ball was kicked. Um, well, it should have happened before a ball was kicked. It should have happened this time last year. Uh, but they kept going on with it. Um, and as much as Penrith wanted to throw shade at people who kept suggesting that it was on the cards, um, he, he, just, he was out of his depth. They, they were... Um, I don't agree with the timing of when they sacked him, but uh, the, the standard of football that they were producing with the roster that they have, for me, wasn't up to, up to standard. Um, his methods, from what I hear from um, insiders, wasn't up to standard. And uh, he was a clear-cut one, I thought, at the start of the year I would have had money on getting sacked. And he did. I just I would never have had money on him getting sacked when he did. Well, the way things panned out in the end, the fact they're in the top four and then they basically knifed him at the time yeah. seemed pretty convenient for me, so I didn't pick him. Uh, I went Arthur. They were a top four side last year. They were aggressive. They had a lot of things going for them coming to this season. I think maybe there was a little bit of fool's gold in that roster, but they were terrible in just about all areas. They had problems, again, internally, on the field, culturally, within that group. Um, he had some brownie points banked, but I think moving into next year, it's his last chance. Paul Green gets away by the slither of the fact that they had a couple of injuries, had a couple of blokes coming back, and I think they're just old. But at the same time, like what they showed, they haven't changed at all. He didn't change anything. He refused to put any new players in until it was too late at the back end of the season. And again, this was a bloke that was chased after by the Brisbane Broncos mm. for big money, given a big money contract, held out on the Cowboys, and look at the year, the way that panned out. So I think he's got a point to prove again next year. Yeah. Because they only scraped in, if you really think about it, the year before. Well, he's got away with the fact that they won the comp, <coughs> um, made a preliminary, and then lost the grand final. So mm. he's, you know, he's they he's going to he's going to miss some heat this year, but mm. next year he certainly won't. No, and uh, yeah, I think he gets away with the slither. But I've gone Arthur, and obviously you've gone uh, Anthony Griffin, underrated player. Yeah, I went Mitchell Orbison. Mitchell Orbison. I yeah. went one from the Roosters as well. CSCY Tokiaho. Yeah. I don't think uh, between him and Isaac Liu and, again, a couple of blokes in that side, uh, I heard a lot of so-called experts say that they have a terrible forward pack in the media, and I highly disagree well, with Well, whoever said that, he's a clown. Yeah, well, there's plenty of them that said they don't have a good forward pack, but I think that's the dumbest thing i ever heard. But in particular, between... They've got a, a fucking international forward pack. Exactly. But between a couple of those players, uh, I don't think they get anywhere near the love that they deserve. But CSCY Tokiaho, uh, in particular, all year and in the final series, was massive for me. And I still don't think he gets talked about enough. And Orbison, like you said, what about the career? He's forged. Mm. Different positions. He's been there for over a decade. He's had bigger opportunities to leave for a lot more money, and he hasn't done so, but... Um, yeah, just a very, very underrated player. Overrated player. What do you got? Uh, Bryce Cartwright. Yep. I've got the exact same that one. Easy. And it's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> all this potential a couple of years ago hasn't really panned out. And I, on Garth Brennan's side, one thing to chase Penrith to take a player, but to agree to a full contract release and then re-sign him for even more money, that has to have been one of the stupidest things uh, that anyone could do in their first year coaching, and it bit him on the ass mm. big time. But Bryce Cartwright, realistically, like we said, he's got all the talent in the world, but he chooses to piss it up the wall. Fingers crossed at some point the penny drops and he actually wants to play some football because we've seen glimpses of what he could possibly be. But at the end of the day, uh, will, will it ever float to the surface again? Is there enough care factor to want to maximise his potential and put that on a field? We don't know. No. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens this offseason. There was rumours that... Manly, if uh, John gets the job, potentially are interested, but whether, you know, they're under salary cap pressure, so they can't really afford to take on the size of the contract again. Would he take a pay cut and do another re-release again? I highly doubt it, but the Gold Coast were absolutely insane because I thought it was around half a million dollars. The word is it was closer to 700000 mm. which is ridiculous. 
and a very, very poor move. But yeah, toughest player. I got Jake Taborovic. Yep. Um, split. I split hairs with um, James Graham, but I, I went Jake Taborovic. I think he just sticks his head um, into any and everywhere that it needs to be stuck um, for his team. Wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, plays big minutes. I thought he was one of our best in Origin. So yeah, I went. I went Jake Taborovic. I think he's throw Boyd, Boyd Corner in there. A few others. I think the guys that sort of. Toughest, a lot of people think physicality, but for me, toughest is playing big minutes in the middle of the field um, or in a forward. Dirty run. yardage carries, big yeah. tackles, making all the gritty efforts. Yeah. Uh, my one was made a little bit easier given he played in the grand final with a broken leg, Blake Ferguson. And I think this year, again, what you were talking about, he scored some good tries this year, but it was what he did in yardage. He yeah. literally, this year, he wasn't looking for scoots. He wasn't looking for sea lines. He took blunt hit-ups. He took front rower hit-ups out of yardage all year. He had as many carries as anyone on the comp. He's only the third player ever to crack the 5,000 metre mark and he consistently averaged close to 200 metres a week and he did not hold back. Yeah. And then that last 20 minutes in the grand final, I know Kronk had the busted shoulder blade but he kind of avoided uh, the action and they did a good job hiding but Blake Ferguson this year to me uh, was incredible. And like I said, there was no sea lines, there was no drifting across the field. He was taking full-blooded first carry front rower hit-ups and just trying to wreck blokes. So, um, I completely agree with your one. And again, this is one of those subjective ones. You can come up with a lot of players, but uh, I thought he was immense this year. Well, Luke Lewis is probably another one. I think tough, tough every week. Yeah, there's there's a couple. Dale Finucane at Melbourne's another guy that plays yeah. tough. Brandon Smith off there. But there's guys everywhere. Cam Murray, when he gets on the field for his size. Victor Radley. There's a lot of guys in that category. But yeah, um, yeah this year for me, Ferguson. And then that grand final effort kind of just capped it off for me. So, dirtiest player? Uh, Joey Leilua, easily. Joey? He's a grub. What, uh, he, what he did against um, Canterbury where he gave him the facial and sprayed and just the amount of shit he carries on with on the field, I think he's the dirtiest player. I've got Maguire again, and I've said it before. I think he's a very, very good footballer. Uh, he does a lot of dirty work. He gets through a lot of stuff, but there's just shit every week. There's stuff in the tackles. A lot of players uh, behind the scenes aren't a big fan. He gens, uh, tends to come in third man and hit blokes low on the back. There's the hair pulling. He stepped on someone's hand again this year. There's just consistent little bits that he gets away with and in particular origin time, it's hard not to hate him if you're not yeah. a Queenslander. But, yeah, I just think he's still got a lot of shit in his game for a bloke that I think is a quality footballer. So um, does it give him a bit of an edge? Is that the way he plays his football? Does it work for him? It certainly does, but it's very frustrating at times. Um, but, yeah, I think he's still up there for me. Comeback player of the year, Boxhead. I had uh, I had Luke Brooks. Just come back to form. I think he, uh, he went missing for a couple of years there, particularly under the coaching of um, Jason Taylor. Really struggled, and he went bloody close to winning the Daly M. So uh, a huge comeback to form for, for Luke Brooks. It wasn't enough to get him into the finals, but I had him as the, the one that really made me stand up and notice this year. Well, when you honestly look at it, and we said this at the start there, with Ivan Cleary there and him playing halfback, I think they overachieved massively. Yeah. They don't have the most talented side, that's for sure, and he was exceptional. So uh, my comeback player was my fallen player from last year. So he's done the perfect reverse, 180, and that was Isaac Luke. Yeah. Uh, after that huge contract and a couple of very, very poor years. He did miss some games to injury this year, but a preseason under Alex Corvo and obviously a contract year, he was outstanding. And when he's playing and running the football and probing around that ruck and getting his forwards over the advantage line, um, he's a massive difference maker and one of the better hookers in the competition. So from the bottom of the barrel back to near the top, uh, big turnaround this year. And I also like the fact, and I was kind of questioning his motives to play well, that he ended up re-signing with the Warriors on a reduced deal at a third of what he was on. So he's going to have off-season surgery. Had a bigger money offer to go to Newcastle in more years, but 
he's stuck loyal to a club that's paid him a fair whack of money and he's only really delivered one out of four years and he's going to come back next year after the surgery on a very, very big reduced contract and try and prove that point again. So uh, massive comeback this year as far as I'm concerned for what was once considered a contender with Cameron Smith for the best hooker in the competition. Yeah. So fallen player. Well, I had Bryce Carr, right? Again? Yeah. He's been terrible. He's been terrible. Oh, sorry. No, I didn't have Bryce Carr. I had um, Suliasi Vunavalu. I think his form's been terrible this year. It was dreadful. I don't disagree there. And there's a bit of a cycle that seems to happen at Melbourne uh, with players like this. He's won a comp, played really, really good football for a couple of years, had a poor year. And I think last year and even the time before that when they extended... They did a one-year deal, and then this time they only did a two-year deal. Mm. So you get the feeling, again, they don't want to commit to him long-term. Just, to me, he felt like he fell in love with what he did last year. and All well, his first couple of years, and definitely, and I don't I don't disagree with you at all there. I get the feeling we're going to come to a standoff point, and I think I said this last year when he re-signed for only two seasons, and people are wondering why. Money is a big thing. Uh, he's the kind of bloke that can swap to rugby union, like a Radrara. He's got that cross-code ability, and then I think at the same time, they're just not going to overcommit to somebody that they're not sure about. And wing is a position... Why it's very, very important these days. Um, it's one that you can... I'm not, well, you can't pick them off trees, but it's pretty easy to replace, mm. value for money-wise. So they had a kid play in their under-20s and a little bit of Queensland Cup at the back end of the year. Surprise, surprise, another Fiji. After we've had Corabidi go, Suli come in, Junior Rituva, I think he scored 20 tries and he's only 19 years old. So last year of his deal coming up, I'm sure that negotiation will go off how he plays next year and I highly doubt they'll commit long-term again. Purely on motivation. You wouldn't think so. My fallen player, probably an easy one to pick, but Jack Bird for me. Uh, The whole fact that last year he fucked around with that situation of leaving and they said the difference of money was only a little bit in the end. He still signed with Brisbane almost out of spite because he wanted to play 5'8". But how do you expect to play 5'8 when James Maloney's there? Mm. Like, and just There seems to be a lot of ego around him. I think he's a fantastic footballer. We both watched him come through the grades, but he goes up there. They got a free Maccas card, apparently. He blew out in the off-season. He didn't take his rehab seriously with his shoulder. He was miserable on the field. And then middle of the back end of the year, he's at Sharks games. And he's not going to watch Brisbane play while they're in Sydney. He's going to Sharks games again. So I just think he's got his whole attitude and everything mixed up in the wrong place. I feel sorry for him that he's had a couple of injuries. But like, it just the whole situation just seems like stupid young ego that's put him in the hole that he's in. And if you're going to sign a big contract with Brisbane and not going to expect any sort of criticism... Um, I think it's as dumb on Brisbane's end to pay him the way they did yeah. and make promises that they obviously didn't keep either. But for he's put himself in this situation. He didn't play a whole lot of football, but when he was on the field this year, he was terrible. So from a guy that was being talked about as one of the best young players in the competition, played Origin and was pushing for Australian honours, he's completely fallen off the map this year. So yeah. uh, it's interesting to see what happens next year. They're still taught that he might go back. I don't know how. Um, but he's still hanging around in Sydney. He apparently went on there end of year cruise a week ago or so, so interesting to see what happens with Jack Bird. Yeah. Peanut of the year? Andrew Fafita. Just lock him in every year. He's a clown. Yeah, there were definitely some episodes again. Uh, we could run through the list, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Leopards, leopards don't change their spots. Yeah. I went with mm-hmm. Kenny Edwards. Uh, again, there was some off-field stuff, there was some on-field stuff, and then this year again, he came back. Some silly penalties and then running away. Uh, I think from a, was it a breath test or a speeding, something like that. And then I can't remember. Yeah. It was about middle of the year. I don't really remember now. I should have looked it up today, but then again, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter that much. But it, it led easy. to, 
It led to his sacking. Kenny Edwards for being a dickhead. It led to his sacking, and now <laughs> yeah. he's in England. So I just think, you know, there was potential there, which is why he hung around for a long time, why he got multiple chances after being sacked from clubs when he was at 20s and junior levels. But again, like you said, Leopards don't change their spots, and he's yeah. now out of the NRL. Best buy of the year, this one, again, there was a great list this year. Tedesco, Cronk, Harris, Green, Ponga, Pierce. Uh, there were some good players, Maloney. But I think when you look at the, the sum of it all, it can go for value for money. You could go for who won a premiership. I think Tedesco, for me, and Ponga were the two that I found really, really hard to separate. Yeah. But the fact that Tedesco was outstanding origin and at an important time there at the back end for them to win that comp, I think Tedesco turns out to be the best I go with the Ponga, year. and I think Ponga by the length of the straight because when he was on the field, um, he made Newcastle a top eight team. When he was off the field, he wasn't. And I think they're paying him unders. For what he produces, they're... A lot of people said you're paying him overs. I think for what he produced on the field, they're paying him unders. Well, we all know with gun kids. People... And I think with in terms of future, he's got the biggest future out yeah. of any of those that you've just rattled off in terms of longevity. People say, oh, you can't pay for potential, but that's how it works when you find a young you superstar like this. And the report was around 700000 He gave you more than that this year. He played he for was, Queensland and he's 19. He was outstanding. So, yeah, I think... Uh, for, a, what is he, a 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid? 20-year-old kid, yeah. Outstanding. Unbelievable. And again, I think you can make argument for a couple of different players, but I, 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 I you know, I know you got Pierce in there. I think his uh, contribution to that side is a bit underrated as well because he had that long term injury. Yeah, take the injury out of it, and I've said it before. Two great buys by Nathan Brown. He's got to take credit. And again, he's still doing it the right way. I know fans are getting impatient, but do you want him to ruin your salary cap, yeah. or do you want him to build it? And I know the Roosters won the comp, but I still just find it very, very difficult to to award them a best buy when they just buy everyone. Yeah, I can For understand. For the fact that they made a prelim, what they've won three or four minor premierships under Robinson's tenure, and then they go out and buy what you could yeah. say is the best fullback and the best halfback in the comp. Yeah, and flick one of the For better me, you halfbacks. Should, you should be winning the you should be winning the comp. Yeah, the roster they've definitely. Got. So, no, most definitely. And all those other names, like I said, there were some good buys this year. Worst buy, well, you could go for a multitude of different reasons. Bryce Josh, Josh Dugan, Bryce Cartwright, Kieran Foran, Josh Reynolds basically never got on the field. Chris McQueen before. Clear he took the reins for some reason. The club signed him for almost half a million dollars and he played like three games. Krispy Kreme. Jack Bird, 900K to play 5'8 and they put him in the centre. Like, there's some awful buys there. Yeah. But again, I landed on Jack Bird because of the repercussions that they let their halfback go. Didn't really get in the argument to re-sign him. Bought him to play 5'8 is what they said to him, but they were always going to play him in the centres. Then you just look at that position and go, how have you paid 900000 just to get a player for the sake of it, to play him in a position that's probably the least relevant now in the NRL. Like, it's yeah. it's insane. And Dugan, you could say, similar. They played 750K. They pissed off Holmes. Potentially didn't give him first crack at fullback, and that may have cost them him and Jesse Ramian, possibly now. Like there's knock-on effects for all these. But, you know, Reynolds, you could say, for big money, not getting on the field. Foreign, I'm giving a pass mark to the Bulldogs and Dean Pay because it wasn't their doing. Mm. It was Des Hasler's time bomb before he left, so... Um, but yeah, Cartwright, terrible. McQueen, there was a lot of bad ones, but I'm going with Jack Bird again. Yeah. Who are you going with? You going with Cartwright? Cartwright. Garth no, Brennan. Just to watch him. Garth Brennan. That was a big mistake. You know, they went from Hayne, well, they went from Taylor to Dave Taylor to Jared, Jared Hayne, Hayne to, to Bryce, Bryce Cartwright. Cartwright. Yeah. You know, like, come on. There's some bad ones. Bargain boy. There was two standouts. I've got a standout place in my team as well. Joy Arrow. Joy Arrow. Matt, he was one I had here along with he Matt He was our Lodge. best player. Uh, what you, regardless of what you think of Matt Lodge, clearly the circumstances lended to them getting him for absolutely nothing. And he yeah. was one of the better front rowers in the comp this year. But Jai Arrow, 
backed himself to leave Brisbane, went there on a modest deal. Yeah, he's obviously going to get an upgrade, but like you said, best player for you guys this year. I thought by... Played for Queensland. By a mile. Back in the year, origin. he got a little quiet, but he had a lot of injuries, like lots of niggles. He's still only a young kid. It's his first full year in first grade. So he sorts out that back and a few other injuries he gets. He was exceptional um, for the first half of the season. Like, dear Lord, yeah. he was up there for being one of the better forwards or contending for a lot of awards. But yeah, yeah. those two clear-cut standouts for me. Overachiever. Ah, oh, the Tigers. Yep, even though they just fell short. I thought they overachieved, yeah, massively. A lot of people, you picked them for the spoon, didn't you? And I, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, lot, I, like, did. I did. I, th- I think and more, I than, more than 50% yeah. of experts tipped them for the spoon. There was two things that I owned, and that was that I thought Souths would bite me on the ass, and I said when I picked them for last place, it's more going off their roster, but I know who's coaching them. And sure yeah. enough, like I said, I still think they do have one of the worst rosters, but Ivan Cleary... Look what he's done with Luke Brooks. He gets the most. Isan Masters. Like if you really go for that roster and look at it deep, there's a lot of scrap players there, um, or a couple of guys. Like it's it's insane that they got so close and they finished with the third in defense. Like they they've been an absolute basket case defensively yeah. for years now. Jason Taylor said for years he was going to fix the defense. Mick Potter said he was going to fix it. Ivan Cleary's first season uh, third in D. Yeah. The problem is their attack went the opposite way, and they were fifteenth. So. Uh, my overachiever, and I, I don't. Again, I think we more put them out of the out of spite was the Warriors because they've burned us so many times. Yeah. But realistically, you look at that spine. The Ford Packer wasn't sure because they were still fairly young, but you could say that they well, overachieved. I, still, I think they underachieved from where they were to where they the ended year. up. Yeah, and again, I may sound biased, but I think the Storm overachieved to make a grand final. Yeah, I agree. I think given again three halfbacks, the players that were missing those two underachiever. Well, it's pretty obvious. The Eels from the top four and the I Cowboys. I got the Cowboys. Where everyone's basically favourite to win the competition. Eels for me was a bit of fool's gold. Like we fell into the trap of what they did last year. And you look at their draw last year, they played a lot of um, bottom eight sides in order to make their run. And if you really study the form closely. Yeah, they came in with some momentum. Yeah, I think the Cowboys, particularly like underachieving because they had all that momentum with the JT farewell. And. It just never really got off the tarmac, did it? No, nah, well, they got back Scott Thurston, bought McLean. And that's in. what we were robbed for. We were robbed for a Cowboys run in the final finals this year, I thought, mm. just through their injuries early. Shit play. Yeah, well, injuries Lucky early energy. didn't help, and Michael Morgan went in with that sports hernia, so he was basically ruined from the start. Like, you take McLean out after a couple of weeks, you take Scott out after a couple of weeks, and you take out Michael Morgan, who was... Close to, you know, he was the best player the last eight weeks of last year. Like, you've taken out three standout players straight away. Yeah. Their back line aged an absolute century over one off season. They were slow, they were lackluster. Paul Green did nothing to change their attack. They were too boring and overstructured. JT touched the ball a million times. And without a couple of those forwards, it was a Jason Tamuolo show again. He had to be the battering ram. And it's hard to do anything when you're the only forward that's threatening anyone. Yeah. So, uh, I also had the Raiders as an underachiever again. They had one of the better draws. I know they missed Hodgson's for half the year, but four of the last five seasons they've missed out. And they blew nine games by four points or less that they led going into the last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. So that just shows mental weakness. So there's a couple of teams there. Highlight of the year? Uh, the first two weeks of the finals. I had the Origin Series. Um, and again, Queensland people out there might say it's because of that, but I just thought all three games were great. Yeah, they they were, were all close contests. The fact that New South Wales got behind again in those first two games and then the way game three was right up to the last... You know, a couple of minutes there, they were going after him, but they were so gassed. I just thought that the series as a whole was outstanding. Yeah, it was. So that was my highlight. Your low light of the year. Just the quality of the, the regular season. 
I thought the the fact that the competition split into the top eight and the bottom eight so quickly mm-hmm. is just a reflection on a bigger picture in terms of the salary cap, in terms of third parties. Uh, and you know, I know the NRL say, oh, we had three or four different teams in the top eight, but you know, the Roosters, but again, who can the Storm? You know, what do they say? Yeah. They've been in 15 of the last Between the Storm 20 and the Roosters, finals. this is the first time they've met in the last 20 mm. years. One of them is featured in 15 there you go. of the GS. So 75% of the time, one You're of those teams is playing that. in the grand final. So, And I guess, again... It, you know, if you look... I don't, I'm no, no mathematician, but if you work out what the percentages then are for the other teams outside of those two to make the grand final, there's pretty much one spot between those two so there's one spot for the other 14 teams. Well, the, the way you bring it up is right. Three teams get in, but who's actually contending? Like out of those teams, who's pushed up? So yeah, South's uh, pushed back up, but they're a bigger club with money who have they been had a, there. They won a comp. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And then you talk about other teams that have pushed back in or, yeah. you know, like the Dragons pushed in, but they're still lacking a bit of depth. For me, there's, there's a handful of teams, well, probably two in particular, like the Titans and the Tigers for me. You look and you just go, when are we winning a comp? It's not on the horizon anytime soon, that's for sure. You know, um, Manly's probably another one now that's fallen into that into that category. The Bulldogs, they're a mess. The Bulldogs were fantastic at the back end of the year, but even still, I look at their roster next year and go, they're not winning a comp. The difference is, though, I think they've played in a grand final recently. Yeah, but I think they've had their up. They're the only one financially who can pull themselves out of the hole. Like Des has left them with some time bombs. They got some good kids out of it. They've bought kids to come in again from other clubs. Uh, their 18s made a grand final. They've got a few good kids in that, and they're financially stable compared to the other three. So as soon as they get rid of these bad contracts, you know what they're going to be doing. They've yeah. got the ability to buy players and have third parties. So it just shits me to I tears. think compared to the other couple, like you said, the Bulldogs will be able to turn around in two seasons. Whereas you look at Newcastle, the Titans, the Titans, if any of them end up in a hole, it's not happening in a year or two. It's a long, slow build, and I think that's why someone like the Tigers fans right now are so frustrated that Ivan Cleary is potentially walking out the door because they just started a rebuild. Yeah. And this just knocks out all the foundations in one year and could just lead to an absolute rubble within 12 months, you know. Um, so my low light was just the end of year. Issues off the field around the final series, and I think the football did a good job of covering it up, but I still don't understand, you know, why footballers put themselves in the positions they do and just the hypocrisy of it all. So, like, Mitchell Pierce has been absolutely beaten from pillar to post from everyone about some of the things he's done off the field. But when Greg Inglis sped and drank drive last week on a public holiday, people were saying he was brave for admitting it. And the NRL and Greenberg and people like this are saying, oh, good on him. But like, I don't applaud and I don't agree with what Mitchell Pierce done, but he got recorded in the privacy of someone else's home, like air humping a dog, like for fuck's sake. Greg Inglis has technically put lives at risk. Yeah, I get it. Like I get Pierce it. I... has humped a dog, but he got an eight-game ban and a $125,000 fine, and then we just take English out of two rep games that, you know, if he wasn't picked for, like, it's not money out of his pocket or nothing's really been punished, and he still may get to be the Australian captain. And then the Mad Monday stuff and the Burgess thing, and the, the, they've now lost sponsors as well, even though that didn't really come to an end or we don't really know what happened there. But South sponsors are pulled out over that issue. The Bulldogs have lost a million dollars out of their Mad Monday setup, um, and then English for this being just... Around finals time, it's not the time you want to see that kind of stuff. So just footballers, mate, pull your head in. Yep. They've got plenty of money. You've got plenty of time. Do things in the privacy. Stay in private rooms. And if you're Greg English and you're almost on a million dollars a year, brother, pay someone a thousand dollars if they're if you know you've had a few, bit much and tell someone. Can, I'll give someone a K, drive me back to Sydney and yeah, I'll get you a train or I'll get you a taxi, I'll get you something back. I think it's pretty self explanatory for all well, of us. You know? And I think Greg would if he had his time back. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, not smart. 
Not smart at consi- all. So. I'm more frustrated again, like I said, consistency from the NRL. Mitchell Pearce got destroyed over humping a dog on a video in private yeah, I get it. compared to something that potentially puts lives at risk. But, you know, I just, yeah, so inconsistent. Try of the year, hard one for people to remember. Uh, I had two that stood out for me. Addo Carr, Anzac Day, a solo effort from his own trial where he beat, you know, five, six players against the Warriors and ran away was just an absolute cracker. And then the Dragons versus Raiders in Mudgee. They had a team try there where McInnes jumped out. I think he put DeBellin through a hole, went through a couple of sets of hands, and then Widop put a chip kick through or Dufty for someone to score. That, that were two that stood out for me. Do you have a try of the year? No, I'm happy to go with you. I, <clears throat> I certainly don't write them down. No, I, go, just, but, I watched uh, a bit of a highlight video the other day, and as soon as I saw that Addo Car long distance one, then that Yeah, I remember try, that one. There was two that, that kind of came to mind. Game there, of the year. There was a few tries in that, um, well, the game of the year. South Storm. There were a few yeah. tries in that where they were just belters. Well, the so. Croft run for the Croft kick. run with the kick is one for me that I'd say that's that's close to the best try I saw all year. Yeah. Uh, I think they scored a few this year, actually, Melbourne. There was one in the Brisbane game down that short side with the kick back in for Billy. But uh, game of the year for me was that week one game. South yeah, Storm. Too. You're not yeah. going to have many better endorsements for rugby league than that game of football. It's a yeah. cracker. And now we arrive at player of the year. I don't know if you agree on this one or not. Uh, again, Shows a bit of a flaw in the Daly M point system as far as I'm concerned. But I thought Damian Cook, out of all the higher-end players, was consistently good throughout the season and throughout Origin. If you want to go on a week-to-week basis, I think he was the best player in the competition. Yeah, I'd agree. I I think uh, Kalen Ponga was the best player in terms of I think he had the best performances, but he had too many weeks out injured. Well, so. Again. That's what if I'm you're talking at. about consistency and brilliance and level of performance yep. with consistency, I agree, Damian Cook. For. I think um, I think Roger Tuivasa-Shek was really good, but yep. the argument the argument that I would mount for you know, and I take nothing away from him winning the Dalian Medal, but my argument would be if if Sean Johnson was playing good footy, I don't think he would have won it because Sean Johnson would have taken take votes away from him. So that's the fault of the Dalian. Uh, I, also, I, I, I love the fact he won it. I thought his acceptance speech was fantastic. Yep. I thought the hucker was brilliant. And he's a good I think it was model fantastic for, the game. for him to. A lot of people said that'll be the death of your career, leaving the Roosters and going to the Warriors. And he's gone there and not only led him to a final series, but won a Dalian medal. So and he stayed. I, I could easily have if someone said to me you had to. It, it was Sheck, it was Cook, or it was Ponga. I'd cop it. Yeah, and again, the player of the year. I find it very, very difficult to separate between those three. The word I bring up for that reason was consistency, consistency week to week. And he played, he played play. every yeah. game. I don't think he missed a game. Yeah, um, you know, Ponga obviously had injuries at the back end. Which so took my him argument out. would be that if I gave a rating for the player based on just the games oh, they played, I'd have Ponga it. ahead. Ponga, but if you're t- talking about votes, of course, Cook or Sheck would. But be But again, ahead. we look at it from that perspective. Look at the team Ponga plays in. I'm not saying he wouldn't be as effective in other teams. But he's not really sharing yeah, the limelight that. with anyone. Get all that. You know? yeah. so, all right, let's uh, move on. Yeah, but I'm, I'm happy with Damian, Damian Cook. Cook yeah. He's a player of the year this year. We we could make arguments for others, but I think he's just he was been outstanding. So, team of the year, we do this separate to one another, boxhead. But we've arrived at this point in time. Your fullback in your team of the year. I've got uh, Callum Ponga. You've got Ponga. Well, I stuck with Sheck, and again, people can argue on this one. It's subjective between Ponga's year and Tedesco. But for me. Tedesco early in the year didn't really fit into what they were trying to do. I don't think that was fault of him. The back end of the year in Origin, he was outstanding. Ponga again, outstanding, but finished up injured. I just think Sheck does a lot of stuff, particularly his yardage work and the try savers. He, he, if there was a stat for try saves, I reckon he's in double digits this year. And there were some absolute pearls. 
They weren't just getting under the ball. Like, he crashed blokes that were going in to score hard and held them up. And a couple of the games where he hit 300, 250, he is always there to take a dirty carry. Like their back three is great, but he loves chipping in at the hardest part of the game. So he's my fullback of the year. You've gone Ponga. Your wingers. I went Corey Oates and Blake Ferguson. I have the exact same two. Uh, again, there was a, there's a lot of good wingers in the NRL. I think that is a position now that you could, you know, it's absolutely stacked. You can make an argument for Fusitua, Adokar, tried hard again this year. Marmolo is very underrated for me, yardage-wise, Sasako, Nene McDonald, Robert Jennings, etc. But Ferguson this year, only the third player ever to crack the 5,000-metre mark. He was exceptional. He was an extra front rower. Corey Oates, a game-breaker. Um, he had a couple of weeks where he may be a bit off colour and he does make some errors, but he's an extra front rower as well. Some of those carries, some of the just clean breaks coming out of his own end, his finishing ability, um, he's a very good footballer, no doubt about it. So that one, I think, was you know probably open a little bit more on outside, but Ferguson, an absolute lock in almost everyone's team if you're picking two yeah, wins. Yeah, he, well, he was what, only the third player ever to run for over 5,000 metres this year. Yeah. So. But as I said, honourable mentions for wing, you could have plenty. Fusitua, Jennings, Addo, I had, you know, I had Mumbola, but There's plenty of guys there that were very, very good. Asako, even Nene McDonald at times for the Dragons. But we've got the same wingers. Your centres? Uh, Latrell Mitchell, I think we'll both unanimously agree yeah, on that. Yeah, that's easy. And my other one was Tyrone Peachy. Yep, I think, and I looked this when I was looking through names. I think I didn't have Peachy in centre just because he played in lots of other spots. But if that was his position for the whole year, I could agree with you 100%. But I went Isan Masters. I said it earlier in the year. I think he's got some defensive work to do. But again, that edge that he's on, Benji Marshall left him high and dry plenty of times charging on his own. But his yardage work, he had the most offloads for an outside back. He's so damaging. He's a good finisher. He proved to be a solid goal kicker, and rightfully so. He played for New Zealand this year. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of buzz for him. I, I just thought Peachy played Origin, had a massive impact on the Panthers. When he when he gets his hands on the ball, there's yep. no better or more dangerous player to watch. Yep. So we've got difference there, but Latrell, yep. a lock. Uh, you know, honourable mentions for that one. Joey Manu had a great back end of the year. Kind of hit that potential that we've been waiting to see there. Jesse Raymond, he was injured a little bit as well. Peachy. So I had Masters as my honourable. You know, Leigh Lua won the Dally M. I know he had some really good Leigh games. Lua, that's yeah. incredible. Well, he's damaging on his day, but the, error, the errors, the brain snaps, uh, the penalties, and the fact that he's poor defensively on the edge. Like on In attack, there's plenty of upside, but he's got a lot of other things he's got to work on. Yeah, that's, oh. that was a horrendous call. Yeah, pretty crazy. Whoever made that one. Your 5'8". I had Luke Keary. Yep. Um, and he pipped Munster just on the fact that he won the Clive Churchill medal. And I thought he played close to a 10 out of 10 in the grand final. And I thought Munster was very close to a 1 out of 10 in the grand final. Well, I had Munster as my five out of the year. His year in general, stepping into play six, I thought last year was okay. He went on in leaps and bounds this year. There was pressure on him. Uh, you know, Cooper Cronk was no longer there. Billy Slater. Missed a good portion of the middle of the season. I thought in Origin, again, he was pretty solid. And at the back end of the year when we needed him, he iced that South game. He had some big moments. Grand final, yes, he was absolutely terrible. But if you want to go, again, consistently over the whole year, yeah, I think he was the best 5'8 in the competition. Uh, your halfback. Adam Reynolds. Yep. A lot of people, I, I looked at all the votes. I don't think it was one vote for Adam Reynolds in our um, fan team of the year. But I think he, very, very easy to overlook. Adam Reynolds, South had the best attack in the competition, um, and I think he was the the leader of that. I thought he played a lot tougher than what he has in previous years. In years gone by, he's got a bump and he stays down and you know goes off the field. I thought uh, his kicking game was outstanding. Um, his running game, his ball playing, uh, I had him miles ahead of anyone else. To be fair, 
Well, I think he got overlooked in the fact that Damien Cook was such a spark. Cody Walker, you know, he had his hand in a lot of the tries. They had a very, very good side. I think his kicking game this year in particular, like you said his defence, he got a lot tougher mm. this year. So I'd have him in the mix. For me, I know they didn't make the eight, and I know he's in the Dallium, and a lot of people didn't agree with it, but this was a very open position for me. People yeah, said Cherry Evans, was, Brooks, yeah, like, there wasn't really a standout. Jonathan Thurston, for me, led the well, way. I, can't, I couldn't have Cherry Evans. No. They, finished, they, they almost finished last. And he caused some of the issues in his yeah. own club. But I'm going to pick Brooks, and I know some people blow up on the night because I just think he played with the least amount of talent around him. I know a lot of it probably had to do with coaching, but if it didn't come from him, it basically didn't come from anybody. I thought he lived up to the potential this year that we've been waiting to see. He ran the football at Stanley. His short kicking game is very, very good. He forced a lot of dropouts. Um, he scored some tries. He iced some games. I, I just thought he was much, much better. And defensively, he's improved our sight. Like yeah. That was one of the knocks on him and Moses. I always thought out of the two that he was better than Moses. But this year, I think, again, um, coaching, oh, yeah, I'd agree with big that. tick on Ivan Cleary. But making the most with the least amount around him, I think Luke Brooks consistently this year. And that side was fantastic. But, you know, like I said, between Thurston. It's all subjective. Um, there's a lot of guys you could have given it to. But that's the most open position, I think, this year. There was no real halfback that dominated for the whole season. Yeah, and the easy I, I think option, people also overlook what Adam Reynolds did yeah. against um, St. George oh, in, the, in, the, in that semi-final. He's like, in what my, he did, he kicked, what, three or four field yeah. goals in that game. So. And I, I throw in the honourables. Like I said, <clears> you look at the way Ben Hunt started the year at the back and you wouldn't even consider it. Mm. People were talking about Ash Taylor for origin. I thought it's insane how well, bad Cleary, he finished. Cleary and, uh, Cleary and Ben Hunt were the clear two at the halfway pole. I mm. thought they were both playing really well, but... Um, they both fell away. Yeah, I think Pierce, if he doesn't get injured, is a real Pierce contender for that. Fantastic you know, new yeah. club. He uh, threw a little bit of shade back at the Roosters. I think with the way he and, played. You know, the there. other one is they bring up Ash Taylor and they bring up Jonathan Thurston this year because they had a lot of try assists. But yeah. watch the games. Yeah. Watch the games. They just because you have a high amount of try assists yeah. doesn't mean you don't have a high amount of errors or missed tackles. And, and the easy option here just for me, keep poor plays. Yeah, the easy option is Cronk for me. But again, like. All the hoorah, and I said this on the day, I was disappointed there wasn't more talk uh, Kronk, for Kiri, and he plays in a stack side. fantastic. Yeah, but he wasn't the His best impact on that comp. side was great, but no, he wasn't the best halfback in the comp. Yeah. All right, prop, props. Who you got? I had Jared Warrior Hargreaves and Martin Tapao. I had Martin Tapao and Fafita, and again, oh, the most... Go and have a shower. One and two in offloads, one and two in tackle breaks, so the two most destructive front rowers in the comp. I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of him, but again, if we're going purely on what you've seen on the field... Fafita is very important. I think he does. I think he shot. does as much negative as he does positive. So. I get that. Uh, That's why I've got Jared. There's some exceptional front rowers. I think Jared was in my honorable mentions for the way he turned it around. He was challenged again by Robinson, which is yeah, this why I like the fact that we do this at the end of the year. Yeah, because. He played his best football in the last four weeks. That, and he and got benched at the start of the year by Robinson and challenged. Yeah. And he... Mate, he I, lifted. I yeah, that, it, that's as good a footy as I've seen him play in the grand final. He said it the last six weeks. He's getting back to the Jarrah that we like to see. And he took that all the way into the finals. he's measured, um, got his leg speed back. He led that pack. He, good. he chased after halves. He was hurting people. It was good. Well, nine's a lock. We've got Cook for number nine. Yep. I think uh, honourable mentions in that last position, though. Uh, Tokiaho I had. Again, another Roosters front row. Yeah, I think Fanua Blake from Manly. Had, I, had, I had Matt Pryor as an honourable mention. Played Origin. Played some good Clemmer's football. club football was very, very good. Yeah, considering. He, he was good. Uh, Lodge, again, I don't, whether you like him or not, I had Jared. Um, but Fanua Blake was one for me. I think between him and Tapia, if they were to lose those two, they'd be in deep strife. Mm. And there's talk that Tapia was potentially going to the Roosters. God knows how. And that Fanua Blake may not be happy either. So I'll tell you what, Manly, that's, that'd be pretty brutal. But, yeah, there were some pretty good front rowers this year. Hooker, no argument. We pick Cook. It's going to be Cook. 
Smith uh, had a, a steady year as always. Friend had a poor start. McInnes was in the run for Origin and then kind of fell off the radar. Friend had a bad start. Oh, I already said him. Hodgson was injured for half the year, and I think Isaac Luke had a pretty good year. But again, he missed some games through injury. But Cook, head and shoulders. We both got him, surely. We do, my friend. Back row is another one a lot of people argue it over. But again, um, I think this is one that's pretty subjective depending who you like. But my back row is the year of Tarek Sims and Viliami Kikau. I think Kikau near the back end had some negatives, but at the same time, I thought that Penrith went to him a lot. He was a game breaker for them. He was leaned on. So who did you have, Cordner and Kikau? No, I had Kikau and Tarek Sims. Tarek Sims to me, I know everyone talks about Tyson. I think he had an exceptional year again, but the players vote for that award and they voted for Tarek Sims, and I think that says enough. Yeah, I thought thought you'd missed him. No, he was the the first one I had locked in. Yeah, me too, Uh, and I had Boyd Corner. And again, the Daly, no offence to Josh Jackson, he's consistent and hard as they come for his team, but the fact that he won that award, um, that's that's terrible. That is terrible. And I I don't know how many votes Sims even got, but um, that's one. Again, Cordner started slow with some injuries, come good. I thought Felice at Melbourne was good. Fitzgibbon, coming out of nowhere from Newcastle for me this year, very, very good. Pungai Jr. played some edge, but he was a bit all over the place as well. And I think Tohu, if he didn't have some injuries... Would have been better there, but um, to me, Tarek seems clear and above everybody. And Kikau was just so destructive and relied upon from Penrith. Lock of the year. This is another one a lot of people will argue about, but I don't think it's an argument. It's Tomalola. I got Jake Chaborovich. He's honourable, and he's the one I had. But that team without Tomalola, I would have loved to have seen what happens if he doesn't play. Like I know McLean got hurt early. I know Scott got hurt early, but this guy still only just fell short of five thousand metres. He almost averaged 200 a game. Tackle breaks, he was right up there again. He's just a weapon. And I felt I felt sorry for him, to be honest. He took all the brunt of those players missing, and he turned up week in, week out. And the bar that he has set is so high that people said he played poor. And I disagree with that. I think that's just, he's that good that that's what's expected of him. But if you're not getting any help around you, they were poor on yardage, they were poor in set starts, they had no creativity, and who was helping him? No one was helping him. And he still almost churned out 5,000. Yeah, get it. Um, and someone else brought up tackle counts. Like, no offense to Jake Trebojevic, but I would run at Jake Trebojevic. He's got great tackle tech, but he's not a bigger body. Tomalolo's not a guy you're going to seek out to run at in the middle of the ruck. That's why his tackle count's half the amount. And for what the work he gets through and having the most runs of any four in the competition, he still churns out almost 65 minutes. He'll play the 80 if you need to, but they usually roll him on and off just to give him a spell because he just busts himself. Um, DeBellin would have been right up for this if he didn't get injured and have his poor back end of the arrow, like you said. There's Maguire, there's Gallon, Sam Burgess fell off the bandwagon, and Jake's there every single week. I, but. I just look at Talmalolo and thought last year he had a massive impact on that team. This year, not so much. And I didn't notice him as much during games. I, I think he's, like I said, it was the it's still dirty work though. People will go, oh, he's not breaking tackle, he's not doing this. It's a bit hard when a team's just sweating on one player. Yeah, I get that. I think he was absolutely sweat on by everybody. So yeah. uh, he was. But that comes lot. with the territory. Yeah, and you're good. That's what happens. And he didn't have much help around him, but. Um, I went to Amalolo. You've got Jake and bench spots that we said, as always, bench spots are open to your own interpretation. You can pick any player in any position. Uh, I went a bit of the easy option this year, but I still think it's justified. So who was your first bench player? Uh, my first bench player was James Tedesco. Mine was also James Tedesco. Uh, I thought they used him wrong at the start of the year. They tried to deploy him on the edges and keep him out of the middle, but he's best when he's around the football pushing on it, his kick returns, he pops up in yardage. And anyway, I've said it a few years ago, people said he can't ball play. Like, would you pass that much with that Tigers team he was playing in? He ran a lot more because he didn't have much around him and they were never going forward. But this year he finished with 21 tries. So try to tell me he can't pass the football. Yeah. 
he his pass selection became exceptionally better. Your second bench player. Uh, I had Roger Tuovas-Shek. Yep. And in the theme of fullbacks, I had Shek obviously in there and Tedesco. I picked Ponga on my bench as yeah. well because there were so many good fullbacks this year and he was another one. His impact on that side. And then the game he played at 5-8 at the back end of the year, even when he moved into the front line, he yeah. was great. He's an exceptional footballer and it's crazy to think what he's shown at such a young age. And I look forward more to next year because people have got video and they know what to expect now. So if he can back that up, uh, it's going to be... Very interesting to watch, and I'm interested to see if he plays six or one. Apparently, he's interested in playing six. So. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'd leave him at one, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Your third bench player? Uh, Valentine Holmes. I've also got him again, and that's what I said. It may seem like I'm cheating, but try to tell me that those fullbacks weren't all exceptional. Mm. He's back into the year once he owned that jersey. The development, the improvement, the ball playing, the kick returns, the positioning, the supports... Everything that happened good happened around Valentine Holmes. Anytime there was an offload or something happening, he was around the football. The ball playing that wasn't there, like you said about development, he probably hit one of the highest peaks as far as you know time developing, like the rapid rate of improvement. Um, kick returns, he's exceptional. He he was great. He was really, really great. And your last bench player? Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster. Well, we've literally swapped players. I put Luke Keery in as my last one because for the whole year, again, everyone's praising Cronk and getting on it. I thought Keery had a great year. 21 assists himself and then more importantly, the two games in the finals where he owned it in particular the grand final. Uh, I think he's still very underrated. For his size, he defends exceptionally well and he doesn't get much credit for that and everything good that happened happened on the left-hand side where Keery is. He's got Tedesco and he's got Latrell. I know he's got weapons around him. But his edge is the dominant edge on that side. And I think him getting called in for Munster for this Australian side is a fitting way to end the year. And now he's a two-time Premiership winning player. Yeah, with two different clubs. There you go. So running through our teams of the year is mine. The fullback, Roger Tuovasa-Shek. On the wings, Blake Ferguson and Corey Oates. My centres, Latrell Mitchell and Isan Masters. The halves, Cameron Munster and Luke Brooks. The front row, Andrew Fafita and Martin Tapao with Damian Cook at hooker. The back row, Tarek Sims. Viliami Kickout in the lock, Jason Tamalolo, and the bench, James Tedesco, Callum Ponga, Luke Keary, and Valentine Holmes. Boxhead. Uh, Callum Ponga at one, Oates and Ferguson on the wings, Mitchell and Peachy in the centres, Keary and Reynolds in the halves, Cook at nine, Warrior Hargreaves and Tapao in the front row, Corner and Sims in the back row, Jake Tabrojevic at lock, and then on the bench I've got Tedesco, Sheck, Holmes, and Munster. There you go. So there's our team of the year. And all of our awards. And so far, we're about halfway through the fans team of the year, Boxhead. Yeah, we are. Yeah. The, the wing was fairly open, but I actually, there was a deadlock on one of the spots. They had Ferguson, but the other one was deadlock between Fussy Tour and Oates with a few more votes. Uh, sorry, it was the Fox, Addo Car. Addo Car's ended up coming out ahead in that one. Uh, fullback, they voted for Ponga, so they agree with you there. I think the centers was clear cut. Latrell won by an absolute mile, and Isam was 20 clear of anyone else. 5-8 was Munster, and I put half back up today, and early votes was surprisingly Cleary. I thought his first half of the year before the injury in Origin was good. I thought his back half was a bit quiet, but um, yeah, that one's up for voting right now, but Cleary was in yeah, the lead with Cronk not far behind. So see how that one pans out, but we move on now to our reviews for the clubs and what we had at the start of the year and some of our predictions. Boxhead? Yep. And as usual, like I said before, we'll go from 16th through to 1st and uh, the order that they ended up finishing when they got eliminated. And most of them landed in that similar spot. But uh, predictions, Brock, were pretty good this year. Were we? I was uh, interested in those. Premiers was one that I think, like I said, everyone basically got wrong. We 
both had the Cowboys, but at the same time, we picked the Roosters to finish minor premiers and said that that was a likely grand final. So we didn't say they'd win the comp, but at the same time... We were 50% right. You've picked them as minors, and we both said that was the grand final, I'm pretty sure, which is why we had them. So we both got the minor premiership, if you backed us there. The spoon, I had the Tigers. I was clearly wrong on that. You had Manly, and a lot of fans weren't happy, but they finished 15th. You were very close. I was close, and I cashed out and won a shitload, so I hope you jumped on. On the back of that, our slider, both of us had Manly. Correct, and that was... A bet that I'd won. I had Manly to miss the eight. They were offering $2.40 for that. Easy money. So, Improver, we both had the Dragons, so that's a win. Dark Horse, you had the Eels. Obviously, again, a lot of people like the Eels, but turned out to be with Fool's Gold. I had the Sharks, which, yep. you know, injuries end up derailing well, their they, season. They finished top four. Yep. Um, points, I had Widop, who was leading it, and then he got injured. You had Latrell Mitchell, Cracker. So, I went the $7 value. You had, like, 20-something dollars. So, there's he a good was, one. He was 35-1. to 1, So, we're manly to win the spoon. You can't knock me on the Widop pick, though. No, and, and I cashed gets, out you know, again. I cashed out on Mitchell and won the Mozza, So Try scorer, we both went felt. And, again, uh, this, the side didn't help him. He was no. in the top five for a while, but he got ran over in the back end. How many did he end up getting? Don't know. Uh, about 14, 15. Well, so, that's so, all right. Oh, that's still pretty good. Considering they were awful, yeah. that, that's pretty good. Dally and Metal were both off. You had Tamalolo, I had JT. So we're both thinking, again, they were going to have a big season. Yeah. Didn't pan out. And $100 sure bet, you had the Roosters top four, $2. That was a winner. And I had the Cowboys to be the top Queensland team, which was wrong. The Broncos got that. Overs, unders. This is usually pretty good. I've had a good strike rate the last few years. I got 12 the year before. Yeah. I got 13 or 16 last year. This year, I got 11. Yeah. You got 10. So I still think Uh-oh. that's pretty good, though. Bad luck. But 60-some so percent, I think I was well, just... Well, better than, yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, if you bet all of them with us, you won. You got ahead. Yeah. I don't think we've ever lost. The overs-unders. Overs-unders. Broncos was 13 and a half. I went over. That was right. You went under. That was wrong. Canberra How overs... did they win? 15. Fuck. Overs-unders for the Raiders was 11 and a half. I said under. You said over. So I was right. You were wrong. Dogs, nine and a half. I went under. You went over. So I got that one right. You were wrong. So those three, we were opposite. Yeah. Uh, Cronulla, 13 and a half. We both went over. Titans, eight and a half. We both went under, which was correct. Manly, under 12 and a half. We both went correct. Melbourne, over 14 and a half. Both correct. Newcastle, nine and a half. Both under. We nailed that by half a game. So they're, they're the ones you like to win. Yeah. Warriors, nine and a half. This is where it started to turn. I went under because I had them out. You had over. Yeah. Cowboys, we both went over 14 and a half. That was wrong. Eels. Well, I think I had them over, but missing the eight. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And so. I had them winning 10 games or nine games or so. Uh, Cowboys both got wrong, obviously, 14 and a half. Eels both went over 13 and a half, wrong. Penrith, we both went under 13 and a half, but I put them in the eight because usually 12 is the mark. I said 12 or 13. Obviously, yeah. this year, everyone in the bottom four won 15, which was unusual. So we both got that wrong. South over 11 and a half. We both went that because I said they'd just finished outside ninth and you obviously put them in your eight. So that was a good win. Roosters 15 and a half. We got home by half a game, both of us. Dragons 12 and a half. We both got home and the Tigers, I got wrong. That was seven and a half. You went over. Uh, they what did won, they win? They won 11, I think, or 12. Yeah. So 11 of 16 for me, 10 of 16. That's still pretty good. If you get over 50, if you put 100 on all of them, you, well, get, you, a, win. you get a return. You win, yeah, yeah. As far as top eights picks, I picked six out of eight. I got the Cowboys and the Eels wrong. Uh, they're the two that I put in that were wrong. I didn't have Souths. And I'm trying to think who the other team was. You didn't have the Warriors. Yeah, I didn't have the Warriors. And again, we basically said last year at a spite that we're going to leave them out because they've screwed us so many times. I had them in the last three years. You were five of eight, the Eels and the Cowboys again, and you liked the Raiders. You put them eighth. But they I had the Raiders over the Panthers. They blew yeah. a million close games. Yeah, so. Overall, if you would have went some of those futures and our overs-unders, 
You got. You doing pretty. We're good. about fifty percent on all of them, so I'm happy with that. You're doing pretty good again. And, and if you compared us to most experts, and yeah. we don't profess to be fucking experts, nah. but um, yeah, we'd be ahead of most well, of them. Five from eight and six from eight of the top eight is pretty bloody good. Yeah. And usually three fall out, and then to pick over half, about seventy percent of the overs unders, and then pick a couple of futures, you're going home with some cash. Yeah. So that's all that matters. Two thirty-five to ones that you could have cashed out on, and huh. then we, our ladders, etc. But the first review we have here, obviously, the Parramatta Eels—they finished last in attack. They were sixteenth. Defence, they were thirteenth. Over/under, like I said, we both went over. We were wrong. The year before, they finished fourth. That ended up being fools' gold. And players used was thirty-one in a year where now you have to use your top thirty. So the used players was lesser this year because you had to have had a top thirty squad. Uh, but they were the only team I think that went over thirty. Because yeah. they had some injuries and some issues. But this one, like we said again, 2017, top four. And they were very aggressive. They showed some promise. Uh, you know, as far as buyers, they had a couple of blokes come over. They had Kane Evans come over from the Roosters on potential. He ended up flopping. Hayne came back on less money. Thought he'd fit into that culture. The halves, we thought they'd improve in their off-season. And it completely went south. They were 0-6 to start the season. They ended up winning the wooden spoon. Mitchell Moses, more reports. And Norman didn't see eye-to-eye. And it was a fight over whose team it was. Hayne was terrible in the preseason. He missed a lot of football and finished the year in a half-decent way. But I just think team culture and everything just went completely off the rails and then off the field as well. You hear them that, you know, they didn't have a recruitment manager or a salary cap manager and they didn't have a GM of football. So Brad Arthur was left in the lurch in that regard. And in all areas, they were poor. There's nothing I can say was good. Yardage, they struggled without semi. Their halves were ugly. They lacked creativity for a side that forced the most dropouts in the comp, which tells you they put themselves inside 20. Their forward pack was poor. They didn't get upfield. Like they're, they're, yeah, and their spine was terrible. Yeah, they uh, are yeah. the two issues for me. Number one, uh, their halves were poor. Yeah, really, really poor. Fullback was poor. They had the injury to Gutherson. Still don't have a nine. Um, they're nine. Yeah. So you look at the spine. All of those areas were lacking, and certainly weren't of a top eight standard. The second one is their front row. Their front row was diabolical. Made no impact. Didn't get them down the field. Uh, doesn't add any punch, and off the bench they had nothing. So that's as simple as it's absolutely as simple as I can make it. Without a good front row, and without um, you know, and one offsets the other because the, the halves and the key position players be saying, "Well, we didn't have a four pack to go forward," which is true. But when you don't have a four pack going forward, you need players that are able to create something out of nothing, and they certainly couldn't this no. year. And, and there the- was one game this year I thought they really they they belted the Dragons. They played really good footy. Um, and that was, you know, a sign that everyone's going, oh, you know, look, look at what Parramatta should have done. You know, from all uh, all who saw the trials, they were raving about how well Parramatta were playing during yeah. the trials. Even Nathan Brown came out and said they're, they're going to be real. real. They're going to be hard to beat. Well, uh, and Penrith game one. They up came until out half time. Penrith. Um, wow. You know, it was scorching heat out here that day. We they went, we went to that hot. game. They looked good. And, and fell over, and from there they never really recovered, did they? No, no. Actually, it's the, the scary thing is within one preseason it all fell apart. There was so much promise. Yeah, I, I think the the danger here for Brad Arthur is that he overreacts. I don't think there's got to be a few subtle changes, but what worked from the year before that formula, particularly with Blake Ferguson now coming in, you're going to get that Radradra type player to help you out of yardage. I think he really needs to work. They need, they need to find a nine, a stable nine, or or a a, uh, a a team of nines. You know, one 
that can complement each other. Well, one on the bench, one that can start. I think they and found the one. got to be better. They found one in Reed Marnie. Reed Marnie at the back end of the year was good. Yeah. He darted out a dummy half. He's certainly aggressive for his size and defends but well. You've got Kaiser Pritchard who gets knocked out. Yeah. You've got well, Cameron King, King hasn't gone. been re signed. They've released King, Edwards, Orvar, Sui Matungi, both Scott's retired, and Tony Williams obviously did his ACL and then got pinned. So. Well, yeah, they've re signed Will Smith, but they don't play him. They play him nah. as a 14. Like, Nathan Brown. He's not a he's not a hooker, Will Smith. Yeah, they've very signed Nathan Brown, Daniel Alvaro, and they've got a lot of off contract guys to sort out. And looking at those, I think Jared Hayne, George Jennings, Kaiser, Ray Stone was, you know, a debutante who was an NRL schoolboy. The one who stands out of the unsigned players for me is Penny Terrapa. Penny Terrapa was the only one who kind of brought some impact when he came in the back end of the year off the bench. Yeah, I like Penny Terrapa. And you can keep him for a cheap rate. And he's one I look at when I speak about the Dragons or someone like that who lacks a bench player who you can get for cheap. He's someone like that that I'd be going after. See, and I'd keep Vavo as well. I'd keep both those guys. They're, they're good. You need leg speed. They're good blokes to play 30 minutes for you every game. And I know we rag on their front row, but I've got to say, Alvaro has no leg speed, but he tries hard. he got player of the year. He, he tries very, very hard, but it doesn't say a whole lot. But the big issues, I guess, for them were... Front row, oh, they have issues all over the park, and their halves are definitely good enough. But they've got to separate ego and work together, or one of them's got to go. And it's been reported that both are being shopped. Gutherson, I know he had the injury, but he's got to be better. He had a poor year. But you look at their buying. Blake, and this is the thing for me as well. If he's going to shop those halves, he's basically conceding next year they're yeah, not going to be they're very not good. good. So, and if that's the case, he's going to get fired. And the other thing is recruitment, like overreacting. The game's going away from big front rowers. They've paid close to $800,000 for Junior Paula, who mm. wasn't really that consistent for Canberra. That's ridiculous. Sean Lane from Manly is a good buyer, mate. It's a good buy. Because it's good value buy. And he basically only left Manly because their salary cap's strong. Yeah. And he can play edge or tight. And then you can tell here that he re- recognised that their set starts were poor and their yardage work because he's bought Blake Ferguson, who just cracked 5,000 metres and had an awesome year in yardage. And Mike Acevo is a huge winger from the New South Wales Cup team at Penrith, who scored a swagger tries, who's another big Fijian. So they definitely tried to address their yardage game. The other but, one uh, is the fact that they've got no juniors coming through. They've got the second biggest junior base in the world, and they have they've got no one coming through. Well, the, the sad they blooded Jamin Salmon, who they bought from Cronulla. They had Murata Niakora, who they stole from the Warriors a year ago. Oregon Kafusi was one of their own, and Reed Marnie from their twenty set up who played in that grand final. But like Ray Stone, you look as well. at Penrith, and you look at Parramatta. Yeah. And it is chalk and cheese, yeah. and they are separated by twenty kilometers. Yeah. The junior league borders. They share a border. Yep. Well, they look what Penrith are producing and look what Parramatta are producing. Well, they finally so. blooded a couple this year, but not to the standard of Penrith so no. far. And it needs to and be more often. And not to the number and not yeah. as consistently. It needs to be more often. So. so Penrith are just going to own the West now, I think, for the next three or four years because yep. Parramatta, it's going to take them three or four years to be able to develop and catch up to what Penrith are doing. Yep. I don't disagree Let's with you. Let's move on. I think we've yeah. spoken about it for too long. Awful year. But yeah, I think... And you talk about good. There wasn't many good. I thought, have to be, they have to be better next year. They can't win the spoon again next year. Yeah. Alvaro was at least consistent. And I thought Haynes' back end of the year was good. But again, convenient timing. And Terrapo was one for me off the bench at the back end of the year. But halves were bad. Uh, Jennings, the money he's on. Takarengi. Bevan French. Jesus Christ. Terrible. He was terrible. So there wasn't many positives. But moving on from them, the Eagles. It's Manly Sea Eagles. They finished 15th, seven wins uh, and 17 losses. They were ninth in attack. They were the worst defensive team in the competition. They were last. Over-under was 12.5. We both went under. That was right. They used 29 players, and the year prior, they finished sixth. Uh, they've gone from one end to the other, and to me, this was more off the field than on the field. That derailed things before it even got going. We had the salary cap scandal. They missed out on Matt Moylan and Mitchell Pearce and let Blake Green go before they could secure either one of those players before well, the scandal. That, that was the reason why I tipped them to run last, because the yeah. year before, they tried to play Dylan Walker at six. Didn't work. They looked horrendous. 
Got Green in, make the eight, let him go. Didn't fill the gap, got punched. Terrible. Terrible. Croker was steady, but then did his ACL. You can't rely on someone who's injury prone. Then they had the Gladstone issue only four or five weeks in with Hastings and Cherry Evans. And then Barrett hangs him out to dry, thinks the group's going to back him. The club doesn't get involved and back him. The playing group splits and comes out and says, oh, no, we don't think that, even though behind the scenes, I'm sure it was a divide. Mm. It was just a mess. And then at the back end of the year, you've got Barrett against the club. He and a had... lack of leadership from Lyle Gorman. He he left Trent Barrett to face yep. a lot of difficult press conferences. And Trent is an, an inexperienced coach. And whatever you think about Trent Barrett as a coach, he got stitched up. The club oh, gave like, him I, I no... I look at it and go, and go yep. like, as a young coach, like, I've never never gone anywhere near coaching a first-grade game. But I've had, you know, I've done a season of 20s and seen... You know, Cameron Serrato and Garth Brennan both operate who are now NRL head coaches and just know that when you're a young, developing, learning coach, there that's a very, very difficult thing to have to manage without support of senior people at your club. And I think uh, Cameron and Garth can should really thank the support that they get from Phil Gould in terms that they'd never he would never ever allow coaches at Penrith, there's much shit that goes on at Penrith lately, that he would never allow them to cop the brunt in a press conference. Usually he'd come out and get ahead of it. And you need that, you know, in your leadership positions. And um, he was just let down by senior people at the club. And, um, yeah, it was just a really, really difficult... And it took its toll on him. I know people who went to the Manly presentation who said that he had to... He got halfway through a speech and had to stop because he was in tears. So it took, a, it took an emotional toll on him. And as a player, he was very emotional and very... Um, yeah. you know, passionate. And he was just as passionate about his job at Manly. And it still hasn't been finalised. No, well, the, What's pro- going on? the problem is now they're heading into an off-season trying to give it to an assistant coach, but they're that tied up on their money, which is what I was blowing up about before, that he had a contract saying they needed to get, you know, a salary cap manager, a football department, all these things that they promised. They yeah. didn't do it. And if he got to do that, he got to deliver 12 months notice, which basically means not 12 months, but he's going to get 12 months pay and he's out. They're now saying, we're not paying you full stop, just leave. He's going, well, that wasn't part of the deal. That's why you signed a legal document for. Yeah, yeah. Now they're in a position where they're willing to compromise all of next year. They've tried to get Michael Maguire, who, again, like I said, how can you do why that if there? you can't get all the staff? He's pulled out for that exact reason, like I said. They can't afford him, even though they've come up with the money for the contract. He said, I want my own backroom staff. I don't want your assistance. I don't want this, and I need all these jobs filled. They said, no, you take Chad Randall, you take Cartwright, you take everything we've got here, and that's the deal. And Tell you what, Bart, I look at their roster and you go, I've got, you've got Cherry Evans, you've got Kane Elgy coming in, you've got Tom Trebojevic, Jake Trebojevic, Appy Corris. Tap out, Adam Phil, Blake, Joel Thompson. I look at it and go, I want to have a look at your books. Yeah. If I'm a coach coming in, show me, show me your salary cap. Show me your salary cap. And, you know, if there's room there where you could buy well, you a marquee player every now and then, I'd, I'd definitely go in and do it. But it seems to me like there's a lot of people going, nah, I'm not going anywhere near it. Well, from all reports of their own words last year, it's almost two years before they can really move. And well, who would you rather be right now? If you if you had to say Manly or Parramatta next year, who makes the eight? Gun to your head. I'd say Manly because Manly. they've got better, they've got got better, better key position players. But the problem for Manly, and this is another rumour that was getting around, is that part of Tapio and Walker going there was third-party deals that haven't been paid. So well, if they're not happy and you've overpaid for a couple of plays, which they have, like Cherry Evans on a massive deal. They don't have any third parties, so Tom and Jacob taking up a big part of the cap. You're kind of hamstrung. And they gave Joel Thompson a three- or four-year deal to get him out of the Dragons. So they've got good players in their starting 17, but they have no wiggle room. And they yeah. have no depth. And their 20 side that won Difficult. the was okay, but... There's not enough coming through there to save them. I don't want to apologise to Manly fans for calling them I don't want the, that job, a, season, a season that uh, they were going to slide. But for me, the writing was on the wall at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, 
I do see an up for them though. I think they've got some good players, but they need they need a good coach. You can't just they can't just give it to a cheap coach. Well, this is the problem with the Pens. The Pens don't want to spend, and then in Maguire, they're willing to give him a decent contract but not meet all the requirements. Why would he come if you're not going to put well, him in a right. position to succeed? You're He's telling them... You're setting him up to fail. I want a comp. This is how you win a comp. Yeah. They don't want to spend. And I said this before. If they don't want to win a comp, or they just want to be in the NRL and hanging around, move on. Sell the club to somebody else. Yeah. Do something to put Manly in a position to be the powerhouse they need to be. And I'll go back to it again. Was it Bob Fulton that came in and got heavily involved and signed some shit contracts and put him in this spot? I think more than likely, yes. He had a big part in the mess that's played out right now. Well, they've just been fine, haven't they? 350000 or whatever. They've for... copped it and they're stuck for a year or two. There so, you go. Uh, and look at some of the players they bought in, which got them the mess. Like, Tapio's been good. Walker's been okay, but he's been injured. Nate Miles ended up being a flop. They've given like big deals to the Trevojevic's and Daly Chair Evans. Like, they've really yeah. tied themselves in here. And we... Shining light for me, Jake Trevojevic. I think Tom, Tom had an up and down year. Lane was um, good. Lane was good. I thought the front row was Coruscant was fantastic until he got injured. Yeah, the front Cherry row was Evans great. Cherry Evans was good, but he's inconsistent. Yeah. And it's very difficult for uh, Cherry Evans when he doesn't have a halves partner. The nine got injured. Yeah. Jake was out with Origin. Uh, sorry, not Jake. Tom was out with Origin. He also carried an ankle yeah, injury so there Jake. for a little while. They both played Origin. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was difficult. And then Cherry Evans went in, obviously, for the last um, State of Origin game. So Well, if the rumours are true and they are losing Tapia... Yeah, they lose tap out. That Jesus. is massive. And then, like you said, this year, they're hamstrung by the cap. LG's the only in, and they got Hodkinson late last year for cheap. So, LG's good, but LG's too similar to Cherry Evans for me. But the, they, they need a green-like player. They need a stabilising half, yeah. and they don't have it. And the clean-out is evident. Like, Hastings left, Sean Lane's gone, Lussick, Lewis Brown, Joey Lussick, Iwate, Wright, Tom Wright as well. And then they've only re-signed Gozlewski and Tanganauer on the cheap for one year. And the, the big problem is, uh, with this cap deal, and it's still the case... They've apparently re-signed Coruscant and Syrian, but the, the deals are yet to be cleared yet because of this cap issue. So if your deals aren't registered and they don't have the money and Brian Kelly's in that same situation, like I think they've announced it, but whether they're official or not, that's an issue because yeah. they're all plays you need to stay. Okay. So, spoken too much about them. But, yeah, um, well, we basically... They're in big strife. Basically haven't spoken about on-field at all, but off-field and all the other issues have completely chewed them up. So, And probably a highlight there, they were three out of 12 against bottom eight teams. Which is, you know, and then they beat teams like Melbourne, the Broncos, had a couple of big wins, the Cronulla. Yeah. So it was a really inconsistent year for them. And, uh, yep, 19, God knows what happens. But if they're going to hold on to a coach for the sake of it over some money and just ruin another season, I think they're going to piss off a lot of players and there'll be a knock on effect heading into the year after and they could be in some real big trouble. Yeah. They need to come to a settlement with Trent Barrett now and move on. That's the main thing that needs to be resolved. Yeah. Uh, 14th, your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, eight wins, 16 losses. They were 11th in attack. 14th in defense, eight and a half was the over-under. We both went under. That was correct. They used 27 players in the year prior. They only finished one spot further down in 15th. New coach, some new players. You had Arrow, who came in, who was outstanding, but there was some also some very poor ones. Some of the players you bought from Penrith, Lato on a big deal, was horrible. He fell out of first grade. Cartwright and the fact that he got that as a pure release and re-sign for that money was crazy. But then he got it right with a few other players. Gordon was a bargain buyer. Mitch Rain, I thought the back end of the year, was the better nine. Um, Lee was okay in a couple of games. But for all the promise, it was still very up and down. Your middle defense, to me, is still one of the worst in the competition. And I keep going to keep going on about it. All the praise and the hype behind some players. Ash Taylor's not a million-dollar half to me. I thought Brimson was better than him in his shorts in at the back end of the season. And he owned it more than mm. Ash Taylor. Uh, Arrow, before he got hurt, was exceptional. <laughs> 
I they're, feel they're, sorry they're, for Ryan James, even though we say sometimes that he's been inconsistent. No, he's been Because he's been in that team forever and slugging away and he hasn't had a whole lot of help. But between your Proctor and a couple of these guys that have gone up there, like there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of meh. There's not a lot of standouts. There's tools there. there there's, there's, there's a way forward there. You can see it. Oh, Fotoaker was good. Um, Brimson, Sammy, they found some good kids. Too inconsistent. And their defense is horrendous. Yep. They've, they've got to find some starch in their line. If they want to make the top eight, they've got to be a top eight defensive side. For me... If they're a top eight defensive side, they'll make the eight because there's enough players there to produce points. Um, they make a lot of errors. They give away a lot of penalties. They make just shit defensive decisions. I don't know what, what's well, been coached up there. Wallace went backwards as well for yeah, me this year. I don't, I don't want to put the burner on, on Garth Brennan because it's his first year and he inherited yep. a lot of issues out of the Hain um, saga and you know players. I don't know whether players had fallen out or there was a split with the players, but... Uh, it blooded some good young players. You were right in what you said about Cartwright. That was just horrendous. That that's well, a monumental fuck. Ring up. Penrith club, to get him in a club at a club yeah. that doesn't have that yeah, room to fuck around with contracts. Ring like, to get a player and do a deal. He literally was that confident and even like I well, said. Well, this is the thing. There's too much ass kissing with Penrith when coaches leave. Trent yeah. Barrett did it. Um, you know, he took a couple of players to Manly. Yeah, but you he, know, a few worked out. They've done it here. He broadcast this though, that he was the man to turn you know, around. We'll and he was his mate. And, he know. did this himself. Yeah, well. And Penrith would have been laughing and cheering probably when he rang up and said, I'm willing to take the whole deal. Of course they would have been. But, but to fault. me, it's too much. I, I worked at Penrith. I know. Well, no, you don't yeah, no. know. You're at the Titans. You've got the Titans' best interests at heart. Yeah. And it was just a, a massive yeah. cock up. It's also an insult to other players when you bring somebody like that and pay him that much well, money. Well, you go down the roster and you tell me one player on that roster who doesn't deserve more money than Bryce Cartwright. Well, and I'll tell you what, 50% of them at least would be earning less. What he delivered, well. It's disgusting. Um, and Ash Taylor, I'm going to keep going at it. I don't care what anyone says. How he got brought up for well, origin before some of the other players. 17 tries, his third overall. Last year he had 19, second overall. It's it's fool's gold. It's fool's gold, all right. He was terrible for the whole back end of the season. And the thing is, if you get They had the worst of, completion rate in the competition. If that, get, that's a halfback's job as well. But if you get spoke of in vain for origin, you're supposed to step up. His last 10 or so games, yeah. he was disgusting. I think out of the 24 games, he played six good ones. And that's half the problem. To me. That, he played a really good game against Brisbane early in the year. We beat him at Suncorp. I think Manly was one where he got four or five tries. Yeah, and some of kicks as well. well. But I want to see him engage a line. I want to see him dominate and kick. And I want to see him be on the ball yeah, in all areas of the I field. Agree. I don't want him on the ball just inside 20. I want him owning that tight inside. I agree. Um, so then, it's it's all ahead of him. He, he's th- still there's young. Not, there's not many elite halves that sides don't make the, uh, don't make the top eight. So well, it's just got to be... There's it, no, you know, you look at your... Uh, in Maloney's, how often is uh, his sides in the in the top eight? Always. Well, the main thing. Always. In, Cooper main... Cronk. Always. Cameron Smith. Always. Cameron Munster. Always. There is no excuse now for me. They've bought an exceptional forward pack, and they've added Boyd, and they've added Peachy. I don't know what you know, first, the bloody deal is there. I could, with... I could rattle off a hundred. But even well, Ben Hunt, you know, what? Ben. For everything they say about Ben Hunt, you got him to the top eight. What's Peachy play next year? Center. Really? Yep. You paid six hundred thousand. I don't think Peachy will end up there. I don't think well, it's going to happen. Going? That's the problem. He can't stay. At he'll he'll, he'll end screwed. up. He'll end up at the Tigers. I think. Well, that was potentially with Ivan there, but Ivan's probably not going to beat the Tigers. So I think he'll end up at the Tigers. Yeah, I don't know. I think he goes, but I don't know. I, I, that's that's me Gordon, not knowing anything. Gordon's moved on. He's going to retire apparently. So if that's the case, Brimson to me goes back to play fullback, which is the spot he played, came through playing twenties. Even though he's a good six, so I'd say the Roberts to me. Tyron Roberts is coming back, or it's Peachy playing at six with Ash Taylor. Well, he, you know, I've been following the Super League. He's playing for Warrington at the moment. He, I, he's been okay. I'd play Peachy at six, 
and I'd put all the everything on Taylor. If you get a million dollars, own it. Yeah. Who are you going to play in the centers? But that's a worry for me. Well, they re-signed Branko Lee and Dale Copley, and no. Dale Copley defensively is quite poor. Anthony Don got re-signed for as much as shit he gets hung on him. At least he can say he's consistent, does yeah, his he's job. Consistent. But their back line has been an issue. Philip Sammy's a great find. Um, but yeah, there's, there was a few there. I think obviously you look at the Ford Pack. The Ford Pack is well, is a high standard. Ryan James, of, they're all playing Wallace, their best footy. Kevin Proctor, Proctor, Jai Arrow, and then now you have got Boyd coming along as well. Like there's no excuse. You know, you've next got year Nathan there. Peets. You have got Shannon Boyd. That's exactly right. So that, that there's there's no excuse there for Taylor not to have a platform laid. And Hipgrave, if he gets his discipline in check, is a good footballer yeah. as well. So I think Ford Pack and Spine. There's no. No issues there. Backline maybe a bit so, but centers. With... I think centers are our issue. That's that's why for me he has to play. Tyron Pitch, he has to play in the centers. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens there. And Moiaki Fotoaker, another one who was great, nineteen-year-old kid. Yeah. So there's some definite. And, uh, Jai Whitbread was the other one who played a couple of games. Who I think will be he'll be good yeah. next year. Max King looked okay before he had surgery, but we all know that knocks people back. The disappointment, I guess, out of all the young ones is they bought Boyle up there the year before as a monster, and he just went completely off the boil. Yeah. No, pun intended. So No, no leg speed. Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But 19, uh, with that kind of money and some of the development there, there's some guys Who's under pressure. Do you know anything about this kid, Jesse Arthurs? Jesse Arthurs, Not. the only problem, he went from Melbourne to South, now to the Titans. So when you hop to hop each yeah. year, I start to he's worry. He's done the Cody Walker. I think he's good as far as his attack is concerned. Defensively, I don't know. And then position. Yeah. He's a fullback wing centre, so I don't know quite what he is. But All right, let's move on. Two clubs in two years. Yeah. Cowboys, 13th, 8 wins, 16 losses. Attack, they were 12th. Defense, they were 10th. Overs, unders was 14.5. We both went over. That was wrong. They used 28 players in the year before. Obviously, they scraped into 8th and they went on that grand final run. But well, there's, not a lot, there's not a lot to say, is there, really? The high to low, the grand final dream run. There was growth in Hess accelerated. Tomorrow, Martin Morgan close to the best player in the comp. And then you look at the prospect of bringing in Jordan McLean and then back... Jonathan Thurston and Matt Scott, you can see why everyone got excited. But a couple of close losses uh, losses to start. McLean gets injured. Morgan started the season with that hernia and was basically done. And then Scott was out. Like you've lost two gun front rowers straight away, which puts all the pressure back on Tamalolo to be the battering ram. That back line aged an absolute decade over one off-season. Winnerstein, no leg drive. There's nothing out of the net. There was nothing out of O'Neill. They had no set starts. And then just... Their general game plan. It was overstructured. It was two sideways. They never laid a platform. They haven't changed their attack at all. It was just a block for a block. Thurston coming back from the shoulder reconstruction. The team around him wasn't as good, but he was also off the pace and missed a lot of tackles and got bulldozed. Uh, said as much about Greenville um, was awful. I don't know how people brought him up for Oregon. Said as much about uh, Parramatta is what I'm going to say yep. about the Cowboys. Key positions. They were horrendous. You had Michael Morgan get injured. You had Thurston, who started the year really poorly. He got better as the competition went on. But by the time he was playing well enough, they were out of the race. And their forward Lachlan pack come Coote back then. shit the bed. I don't know what happened there. Uh, and Jake Granville just... People have worked Jake Granville out. He just runs. Um, That's it. And the front row, to me, like you had McLean go out. You had Scott in and out. Scott's definitely on the downhill in terms of his career. McLean had an extended injury. Gavin Cooper, to me, is another one who fell off a bit of a cliff. Scott Bolton fell off the face of the earth. Uh, Jason Taumalolo was a shining light. The centres, as you said, were really poor. Um, Kyle Felt was okay, but other than that, the centres and um, Winnerstein's now retired. He, again, injury. So well, Ethan Lowe, a couple of years ago, was fighting for origin, had a bad injury, ended up playing cup for most of yeah. the year. So it was, it was a massive flip from all these names that we saw coming through. And 
poor Sean Fenson. He tries his ass off, but again, not big, not fast, getting to the back end. So mm. they've gone from being like looking like they were going for one last run at the title to almost needing to do a rebuild. They look like they need a rebuild. And the they po- definitely need the a rebuild. The positive is, and it took too long, at the back end of the year, I was calling for it all year. They needed to be Tuala, they needed to be Clifford, etc. He put those guys in. Gallum Osby got back in. So there's a little bit of regeneration. But if you're looking at Gellum Osby, Tawala, say with Felt, Ben Barber only plugging in for a year, then they're going hard to try and get Nene, Nick Donald back there, who's from North Queensland. They're trying yeah. to get Valentine Holmes there. I think next year they're a borderline eight team or, you know, kind yeah, well, of outside it. It's interesting to see how Clifford and um, Morgan pair up. Well, that relies more on McLean Scott staying healthy to help out Tamalolo so he doesn't have to be the one carry to start everything off all the time. If you can get those two on the field, and McLean, McLean was very good the back end of the year when he got on the field. Yeah. He really laid a good platform. If he's your one two punch with Scott and taking pressure off to let Tamalolo go, that takes pressure off Hess, who had a bad year, and he didn't get as much ball on the edges because, obviously, there wasn't good service and he had to come looking for it. There's a knock-on effect to having your middles going well. Yeah. But I question depth next year. I question whether Scott can last the whole year. He's having neck surgery right now, and they're saying that he may not play again next year anyway. And then you look at their losses here. Released, 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 retired, retired. Like They've, they've had a bit of a clean-out. And then what they've got coming in is only Ben Barber and Tom Apicek from the Broncos, who's not going to fix their problems overnight. No, they've, so. they've basically swapped with St Helens. Yep. Coots going to St Helens. Barber comes to, yeah, uh, yeah, comes to the Cowboys. So there is again, enough. just there is. Yeah, I thought they were even poorly coached. They look oh, poorly that's coached. That's what I'm saying. There's questions now on Green to me yeah. because he had a gun side that won the comp. They had a bit of a but lull. Again, he's won a comp. Yeah. He's, he's been pretty consistent. So I'm not going to shoot green on no, this no, year. But, but they went flat he's under a bit of pressure the year yeah. after. Last year they rode a wave into the finals with injuries, so you kind of get a free pass on that. But this year there was injuries, and there's a lot of old blokes. Like he's kind of refused to look to the future. As a coach, you've got to plan ahead. He hasn't planned ahead at all, and now it's hit him like a ton of bricks when you look at yeah. this. So to me, everything would have to be perfect next year, and they'd have to have no injuries. Morgan, Clifford, Barber. Granville with Scott McLean, Hess, Tamalolo, and that back line is going to be ridiculously young. Like you're looking at that, going, okay. And then what's on the bench? Who's who's your depth? Like they're they're going to fight to make the eight, and they're going to need everything to go right. I, I don't know if they will be a top eight side next uh, year. Uh, but yeah, the bigger picture is what I'm getting at. They they are chasing for Munster. They're going after Nana McDonald, who's from up that way. They're going after Valentine Holmes. The year after, because they've got some cap space now, if they play their cards right, they could have a pretty good rebuild. And their Queensland Cup under-20s team, I'm pretty sure, finished first in the regular season. Again, it wasn't on TV, so I didn't see much of it. But I'm sure they've got some kids coming through there. They've got a young Ford, Emre Perret. Shane Wright played a few games. They've got a few more guys that they're, they're trying to get through here. But I think one of the other bigger questions when we speak about Lachlan Coop, they'd be regretting now, hesitating on Ponga. And that's on Green. Green chose to drop him last year not play him, and then they signed Coop for two years, which wasn't a great endorsement of confidence because you're basically saying that's one year, then you're off contract again, mm. and kind of pushed Ponga out of the club. How are you feeling about that right now? That's monumental stuff up. And I'm pretty sure for more murmurs behind the scenes, there was a bit of a divide in the off-season as well that Green is a bit too close to some players and doesn't mind going out with some of the older blokes, and that's kind of bit him on the ass as well. And it cost him one of the best young players. So that's all kind of hearsay, but... Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if next... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. She's going to be a great year for the North Queensland Cowboys. I don't think so. so you lose someone like Thurston, usually there's a regression. That's, yeah, that's that's a pretty big blow. But we move on from them on to 12th place Bulldogs. Attack, they were 13th. Defence, they were 5th. Overs, unders was 9.5. I went under, you went over. It was right on the border there, but I got that one right. 2017, the year prior, they were 11th. They had 8 wins, 16 losses. They used 27 players. But realistically, we said before a ball was even kicked, this season was a write-off. Um, you know, the Des Hasler sacking, the salary cap was an absolute mess. They had Woods and Foreign somehow fit into their salary cap on ridiculous deals, in particular the Some Foreign. Some people had them win the grand final. No, no, Can you believe that? Kidding themselves. Massive coin, absolute destroyed their side. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, like from the word go, like the fact that Hasler bought Foreign because he was kind of made mate with him and gave him a million dollars, like that's, that's a time bomb and a half. And to get Woods on close to 900 back end of deals for Jackson, Clamour, all these things that have ratchet causes that bring them price up. Like, you've got guys I can buy that are on close to 900 Yeah. The Morrises were on 700 apiece. Greg Eastwood, funnily enough, his contract was $711,000 and like some ridiculous amount. But the season was done before it even got going. The one upside for them, I guess, for Dean Pays, defensively, they were fifth. They were very solid all year. The problem is their attack got no better. And I like the fact that he just blew the club up mid-year. He accepted what was going on. Let's move on from these players. He knew he couldn't keep the Morrises and a few of those guys, but I think it was smart to get Woods out and to get and buy out early and just blood some kids. And it panned out to be a pretty good move. I thought Will Hopwide's move back to fullback. He played his best football since he's come back from his Mormon mission. I thought he was great. Remus Smith came in. He's definitely a starter for them next year. Now, Reese Martin, he's a guy that I feel deserved an opportunity earlier. He was a gun in the 20s. For the Roosters, he played six, back row, centre. He's a good goal kicker. He's had to bide his time. He had to go to North Queensland, play for Townsville Blackhawks. It's almost taken five years, but he finally got a crack, and he was exceptional. Mm. Um, Lachlan Lewis was a guy that I watched and thought he's okay. I didn't see him being a great first grader, but he came in and played really good. Yeah, look, the guys they um, recruited to be their big-name players yeah, were rubbish. Terrible. So it's, they moved Darren Woods on after, what, eight weeks? Well, they, they had to for their own sake. And, I get it, but yeah. he was brought in to be the big impact. He felt and, the pressure and he, he didn't deliver. You know, Foran got injured and I don't know whether he's, his football, I think he's definitely behind. Yeah, he's, he's busted. We said this. So, And Hasler stiffed him up with one Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, They've got, I look at them and go, oh, like, their effort was fantastic. Yeah. But you look at their roster and I can't see them making the eight in the next couple of years. Well, even the money that Jackson and Clemmer on because of their increased contracts, like, I like them as players. But but Dean Pay, the job he did, I think, was uh, commendable. I think more so on the fact that he kept them up for the whole year, mm. given the circumstance. It would well, have been really coaching, easy right. to fall off the bandwagon. But I think Tuamaga finally getting a debut. Ogden, those kids we mentioned, Rena Smith, Reese Martin. Uh, Adam Elliott was really good at the back end of the year. And they won New South Wales Cup. They've got a couple of good 20s kids. Morgan Harper, who Josh Morris endorsed to play centre for them. He played in that state championship. He's still 20s eligible. Brandon Wakeham's young half who played cut from 20s. That's what you need. That's what they're going to need. Yeah. And then they go out and get some good value. They get Harawir and Ira from Penrith. Suaso Su, who finished the year strong there on a cheap rate. Nick Meaney, who's played a few okay games there. And Jack Cogger, a couple of young blokes. And then Christian Crichton. So they've gone young and cheap, which is smart for their rebuild. And then you never know with kids, do you? 
No, you don't. If they grow, then you've got a few guys there in two years' time when they're out of this hole, and we all know they've got third parties and they've got money. So it's going to take a year or two, but I have no doubt they'll be a top eight side again when they've got their money sorted out and they're free. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said again, their, their SG ball was a grand finalist. There's a kid, Jake Avarillo, who plays like a hooker half, who are watching the schoolboy footy for Westfields. He looks really good as well. So um, there's those few guys. And one I almost forgot was Fitella Mariner. He was exceptional, made his New Zealand debut before he busted his hand. So there is some positives, but again, I look at them next year. They're, they're not in the eight. Um, and I think Foreign doesn't finish the season again, which hurts. But salary cap, that's what it does to you. So, unfortunate. But yep. Also, like Canberra, they had nine losses by eight or less. So, they were in most games, but their attack is the big sticking point. 13th in attack, they've got to work on that. Yep. That's a big thing they've got to fix up. Newcastle Knights, 11th. Uh, they finished, they were 14th in attack, 15th in D. Nine wins, 15 losses, over under nine and a half. We both went under, that was bang on. The year before, they obviously won the spoon. They used 29 players. Again, I think this is a slow build and it's happened the right way. And I think they end up with a better record if Ponga and Pierce, especially Pierce, don't miss as much time. Mogut as Zosio early on. Ross and a couple other guys missed some games. We're in and out. But I think between Ponga and Pierce, there was a massive improvement. And I think between some of those kids again, Daniel Safidi grew another leg. He was great. Lachlan Fitzgibbon on that edge with Ponga and playing there was good. Uh, I think Guerra and SAS, they did admirable jobs from what they've came into. But the real question moving forward here is the spine. They've found two pieces of that spine, but is Ponga a fullback or a five eight? If they're going to let him play six, then who's playing one is my question. Because I don't know who plays one. I think Watson, no, that, yeah. Watson, I said before he left the Roosters, I thought was better as a one. No. When he was six, he was up on and off. They've got Mason Lino on a cheap deal. He was okay last year, but... Hooker is the real other one. They tried to get Luke, Isaac Luke. They couldn't get him moving forward. Danny Levi was okay. Slade Griffin's knee injuries, he's fourth. And the one he's done now is like next level. A lateral corner is going to take more than a year to come back from. So I don't think they have a hooker. But the thing they're still lacking is a marquee gun front row. They don't have enough size. Yeah. Safidi's good. Glasby is okay, but it's not going to fix the problem they've still got. I think getting Ramian in, Edric Lee, compared to having... Ken Seo and some of the players they've got are going to be an upgrade to their back line. I think Ponga, Pierce, obviously very good. Fitzgibbon, Guerra, SSA, et cetera, that's okay. But I'm still looking and they're lacking like a couple of big bodies. They still need some big bodies. Heinington, Lilliman, for the group, I'm sure were good, but on field didn't help out much. Jacob, compared to Daniel, hasn't taken a step forward. Sami Sola, the young good kid that played a few games, is still a baby, hasn't grown into his body yet. Like they can only wait so long for young front rowers. That's the one spot they're really lacking in. Yeah. Um, so moving into next year, from this year, I think there were some good signs and a lot of development, but I, I don't know if they're going to have enough to make that jump again next year, just purely in that forward. And injuries and depth for the year. Like their defense being 15th, I don't think it's a true reflection because when they missed some of those players, they had a couple of blowout games. But, yeah. you know, I just, you know, I still don't think there's enough there. I like the way he's building it. He hasn't panicked. But at some point, they're going to have to land a big fish. And they've tried hard for a couple of players. They had a look at Woods. He wasn't interested. They've tried to get Clemmer from the Dogs. They've said no. They've they've struggled to get somebody to go there, especially in that spot. Um, and on the positive, their pathways were good again. They were top four in both the 16s and 18s. They finished first in the 20s, but they didn't win the grand final. So they've got kids coming through, which is nice. But, yeah, at some point, they're going to have to land a big fish in their forward pack. Agree. There you go. Raiders. Tenth. Attack, 7th, defence, 11th, 10 wins, 14 losses. Overs under 11.5. Uh, I went under. That was correct. You went over. Uh, 2017, they were 10th, so exact same spot. They used 25 players, so in that sense, they didn't use a lot, but 
to start the year. Sure, there's no Hodgson, but they had one of the better draws. They've still got a very, very good side when you really still look at some of the individuals. But their first three games just pretty much summed up where they were heading. They had an 18-point lead, I think a 14-point lead, and a 16-point lead, and they got ran down by the Titans, the Knights, and the Warriors. The only one of those who made the top eight was the Warriors. But you can't lose those games. At the end of the year, I think they lost nine games that they led at halftime, yeah. which is incredible. And if you would have done the latter, like they said the year before, on the Raiders like Newcastle, that leading at halftime or leading at the 60th minute onwards, they would be top four. But it doesn't matter where you're at the 60th minute, it's an 80th minute game. Yeah, and their exactly, application. Exactly right. yeah. And the issue here is consistency. And in a contract year, you want to see players step up. Paulo wanted a big deal. He didn't play that well. He's gone. Boyd's manager and him, they were asking for big money, claiming he's an international. Well, that was two, three years ago now. He didn't play good enough football. The interchange is getting less. You're not paying 700k for either of those two guys. So I don't blame them that. Um, you know, Blake Austin knocking back a massive deal, then trying to renegotiate for more. He was playing all for football up until the point when he settled his future he was going overseas. So it's it's easy to play when you're not under pressure. And this is what we said at the back end of the year. People going, I can't really let him go now. How was he playing when he needed to deliver results and seal his deal? Terribly. How was he playing once he signed a deal in England and all the pressure was off? He played great. Yeah, well, he cocked up. You know? He cocked Josh up. Josh Papali. He didn't, he didn't sign the deal. He should have signed. He should have signed it before Christmas. He would have had 700k. Yeah. How he thought he was worth more than that is crazy because realistically, we said it before. He's a good ball runner who has no kicking game. He hasn't developed a passing game. Like, there's not a, hasn't been a whole lot of development. He's a runner off a big forward pack. And that kind of struggled for him as well. But um, Hodgson, in the middle of the season, came back in. Things improved for him, made things easier on the spine. Caesar played a bit better on the back end of the year. Thought Abby did a pretty solid job when he played some games at fullback there, and that's going to be a question next year with Whiten and him and who plays there, and if Sam Williams and Caesar are the answer in the halves long term. But, um, you know, I will give a wrap to Papali. He responded to getting dropped to New South Wales Cup. He got back to good form, earned a contract, and played for Queensland. Yeah. Thought he would be in consideration for Australia. Hodgson was good on return. I thought Rapana, again, when he was healthy and on the field, was exceptional, and Nick Kotrick was very close to playing Origin. Um, I thought he had another good year. and Elliot Whitehead, etc. a couple of those guys. And Joe Tapine at the back end of the year, finally playing back row, not in the middle. He was great. He was very, very destructive, played for New Zealand. But um, the questions there, I guess, next year is for what's gone out the door and what's coming through for the Canberra Raiders, you've got Austin, Boyd, Gub, Garvey, like Paul, a couple of guys gone. Like They've got Ryan Sutton coming from Wigan. He's a young bloke. I don't know a whole lot about him, but is he ready to play front row week in, week out in the NRL? Yeah, he'd be okay. Is him, Soliola, and Dunamis Louie going to be enough in your front row rotation? Like It's pretty light on there now. You've got John Bateman. Yeah, they're good boys. They're, the two boys from Wigan, they're now in a grand final. They're well, I, I love play, Bateman, um, but again, like back row. Bateman, to me, the concern with Bateman is his size. Well, what's he playing in Canberra, though? Like, Tapine's... The back row and the other edge. Unless they're going to move to Pine in and play to Pine tight. I can't play to Pine tight from what I saw last year. He's yeah, way I, too I don't know. I'm just saying that unless that's what they're thinking, I don't know. Look, for me, Canberra, they're my own worst enemy. They are. Right, the big the big issue, there was two big issues for me. Number one, your best player was out for the majority of the year, Josh Hodgson. That hurt him. Number two, how many games do you want to throw away when you're ahead? And that's Ooh. comes down to two things. Coaching, I think Ricky Stewart's got to take some ownership of that. In the fact that it didn't happen once, it was a pattern, and it happened multiple well, times. More than half the games. And the players have, have got to be the other ones. They've got to take some responsibility. Well, mental application. Close the game out. Yeah. Where's your halves? Who's kicking? So, Who's not making errors? They, they crumble in all those key areas at the back end of the game. The other thing that's never been addressed, and we say it all the time, edge defense is awful. Their edge D is shithouse. Um, but I look at it this way. I like Bateman, but where's he going to play? But I've looked at it the other day, and I thought, well, 
to me, Whitehead's better in the middle than he's on the edge. I know he can ball play on the edge, but when he's in the middle, he's busy. He's around the football. Sometimes I think on an edge, he can go missing a little bit. Yeah. I think Bateman plays back row with the pine, and I think Whitehead moves in tight. But at the same time, that means Josh Papali doesn't play lock. But lock is basically a prop now, and they're lacking in props. So I think Papali, why he finished the year playing basically 80 minutes at 13, looking at their front row rotation, I think he might have to put the 10 or the 8 on. Because if you start in front row as Louis. Dunamis Louis and C.S. Soliola. Like, Soliola's a good veteran and Louis was solid, but, like, is that sustainable to play finals football? Can they play finals football? I think they can. Clearly they can. They, could, they should have finished top four this year. So, someone's going to have to take a bullet, but they're, they're trying to get to Pine locked back in right now, and he's debuted for his country, and at the back end of the year was an absolute tearaway on that edge. I'm not moving him in the middle. But I'm someone's got to play front row. Right. Now, that's exactly yeah, right. Someone's so got to play prop. How does it shake? So, well, he's not the one I'd be moving we'll in. We'll see. I think the way Papali plays is better suited in the middle. Yeah, the I, edge, I don't but... mind. I'm just saying that someone's going to have yeah, to. Yeah, fullback's a question. Does Whiten move back there? Does Abby offer more? And with have the ball? they moved too far one way? They, they were too big for me. Now are they too small? Well, that's going to be a question. Remains I guess, to be isn't seen, it? doesn't it? Um, and then yeah, season and, and Williams. Do they make a move in the halves market next year? Or oh, I, think both, I think they're okay. You need your key position players. Like what happened with Whiten again was not ideal. Yeah, Caesar didn't play good footy. They're just, they're their own worst enemy. Yep. Uh, Saliba Harvey is another one to give a rap to. Came in, filled that nine role, was good off the bench at the back end of the year, and when he came into play, uh, you know, a bit of tight for him as well. So, a few questions there as to who's the fullback, the halves combination they settle on, and who plays in the middle. But they've still got some good players, but I have to say there was still no real mention of any pressure on Ricky Stewart. He has to be under pressure. Wait, they've, they've made one final series in five years. Yeah. They've lost players. There's rumours behind the door about the blunt way that he handles player negotiations and management. And there's a few more guys at the back end of last year that suddenly fell off the map. And I know the reasons why they were moved on from the club. So there's got to be some pressure there on him this year in that regard. So we'll have to see what happens with the Raiders. But the Tigers, they finished ninth, 12 wins, 12 losses. Attack, they were 15th. Defensively, they were third. Massive turnaround in that regard. Overs, unders was seven and a half. Uh, I went under, you went over. You were correct. The year before that, they finished forward. They used 28 players, but uh, huge improvement and said as much when we found out who was going to be coaching them. Ivan Cleary, within six months of taking that job, flipped half the side last year. Got a lot of guys that were, you know, played under him to come on board and commit to the club. Had some guys that have been underachieving that stepped up a whole level. We've seen the best of Michael Cheekham, who I thought was a big improver. Luke Brooks, close to the best halfback, if not the best halfback in the comp this year. He got the best out of Benji Marshall, come back in to support there. Growth and Isar Masters, he was happy to drop players. He didn't care about McQueen's rep. He played cup for most of the year. Nofaluma started the year in cup. Like, he, he did the right thing. And I thought they built their own unique kind of style of play, in the words of Andy Tate. They were smaller at the back, but very powerful. They got a lot of offloads and second phase play coming out of yardage. They didn't have the biggest forward pack, but you know they moved the football around and tried to work off quick play balls in their back five, but... I guess, like we said all year, attack needed to improve. It didn't. Defense was rock solid, but you can only maintain that rage for so long. And, you know, the Raiders blew them out and had a couple of bigger losses at the back end of the year. And their attack, once Farron and Bai came in, you've changed your spine completely. That dynamic doesn't get fixed overnight. And some of the forwards, you know, they were under duress the whole year and they didn't have great depth. So I thought Packer, Madalino, these kind of guys, like they fell off at the back end of the year as well. Eisenhuth wasn't as effective, etc. So I honestly still reckon on roster, they have one of the worst. Top 30s, but they massively overachieved to me. That's good coaching, and he got the best out of a lot of guys. But in particular, 
I think Luke Brooks, um, he was the real standout, and a couple of those other guys I mentioned, Esau Masters, Benji, coming back, and like it's it's pretty disappointing when you get someone like Reynolds over as well on a big deal, and he basically doesn't play. He didn't really get on the field, and moving forward into next year, I think that they've turned over a couple more players. If I were look here, uh, they've turned over a lot of guys like Godinay's moving on, Tim Grant, they got rid of that, Lola here, Naguama, Tan Milne got fired at the start of the year, McIlwright moved on, Bailey Syrian, Sue. Uh, as a Lesniak, but they re-signed a couple of guys there. Not a whole lot of crazy movement there. I think they're looking to make some moves in the market, and then they kept Farah. They're going to keep Benji on for another year. And two decent buys, I think, from the Roosters that were smart were Ryan Madison and Momorowski. Yeah, It's not crazy money, but you've got another good outside back, and you've got a good back row there in Ryan Madison. So, yeah, just um, strengthening the squad. I just think, again, like similar to Nathan Brown, no stupid buys or no unnecessary buys. Do I think they're a lot better? Not really. I think they're pretty much the same, Yeah, bar a couple of better players for depth, but uh, I think the bigger issue there is the pipeline that we spoke about. There's not much coming through. Yeah, uh, They had a couple of guys from Cup in Tyson Gamble who played a couple of games, and you've seen Luke Garner play a couple of games, but it's just more development. The big issue, I guess, here is, is Ivan Cleary going to be there? Cause if That's he's, the biggest issue. The biggest he, issue for them is off the field. And who's the coach? Because when you build a side, we know this. Coaches come in, they've got different ideas. So if Wayne Bennett comes in, I have grave concern. I think he's a great coach, but mm. he, he'll more than likely want to bring a couple of people of his own and I think he'll wipe some players really quickly. And they're not really strong as it is. They don't have a lot of money as it is. And I said this the other day when people were saying, oh, the sticking point for him is money. Well, excuse me, Wayne, at 70 years of age and some of the big contracts you had, if money's a fucking issue right now and you supposedly have the music still in you to coach, then I disagree. If you're motive, you still want a million bucks a year to well, come if coach you want, if you want, Or do you want to coach? If you want a gig, then... Well, he doesn't have that pulling power anymore, does he? he? he does. How much more money do you need? Well, he does, he does in the fact that Brisbane coaching made the finals and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I get got, that, but how long has he been coaching? You can't tell me he hasn't been well paid. The biggest thing against him is the fact that he got the tap on the shoulder. So, um, for me, if I'm the Tigers, I'd be going after Maguire. I would be too. Um, but if they could get Bennett, then Bennett would be be good as well. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's for me. I I didn't see it happening. I didn't see Ivan going back. But well, um, you know, I said it wouldn't it wouldn't happen um, this year. They sort of said that it was going to happen well, immediately. The word was that but, deal was already done for you know, 2021 and, and that's put that, that pressure on them to now get something out of it. So they're talking cash, they're talking players. Well, for players. me, if I'm, if I'm the Tigers, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. They don't have to. They've got him there until 2021. So until they're happy with the coach, that they've secured a coach that can do as good or if not a better job to develop the Tigers and take the Tigers into the future, I don't think they should let him go. Well, I think the problem here is also Maguire's made hints that he'd love the Broncos' job and the Broncos are happy to move on Wayne right mm-hmm. now. I think if you're the Tigers, you lose two ways because you could lose Ivan and the coach he wants not available. And he knocked Manly back on conditions, but I also think he's not Manly back because I reckon Brisbane's been in touch. And all the mail was, and again, I'm no yeah, expert yeah. here, but Seabold was really frustrated at the back end of the year with all the media hounding. He apparently went to see us straight away and said, let's get this done. I, I don't, don't know why I don't I want to talk do about it then. It. Yeah, well, he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. He wants it finished. So, all Yeah, reports. but that's, again, that's talk. Let's just see, Let's see it done. But the Ivan Cleary thing looks a foregone conclusion. From all we think, it's done deal for 2021, so now the pressure's on the Tigers to make a move. Well, the pressure isn't on the Tigers at all. The Tigers have got him until 2021. Well, do you really want someone there who's not going to be there? If I'll, he's I'll at, the moment, at the moment, he's the best man for the job. I know that, but like, I think what you said rings true, though. I think a Holbrook, if it's not Maguire or someone, there's, there's got to be another way to go. Well, Saints just got bundled out of the Super League. I don't want somebody... Upset, but- He's done a good job with them, Justin yeah. Holbrook. So he, he'd be one I'd be I'd have a look at. I don't want somebody there who's already moving on. 
And I don't know, even if you take the responsibility of player recruitment, this, that, and the other. And and I don't think either of the assistant coaches, like we, we had, um, we're, we're obviously working in the lower grades at the Tigers, and we had um, had the experience to sit down with the NRL coaches a few weeks ago. And I don't think either of the assistant coaches have aspirations to be the head coach. So doesn't seem like no, it. No, it doesn't. They're Webster both happy in their, I can't remember the other bloke. Yeah, they're McDonald's both happy in, um, in their roles there. So I don't think it's going to come from the, from the assistants. So. No. It's going to be someone totally external. And then for those two guys, it's going to be worrying as well because, as you said, if it's Bennett, he might not want those two as assistants. So it may mean that if Ivan moves both those blokes without a gig, it's just the world of coaching, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a bloody difficult job. And and you look at the job that that coaching team's done with this side who you've acknowledged has been – is looked at as one of the the worst rosters. Um, they've overachieved, they've overachieved and they've got Through good coaching and good management. Mm. And now – you know, the, the pressure's really on if Ivan moves on. And again, like I said, their pathways, as we spoke about, have been diminished the last few years. They haven't been going good in any grade. Yeah. And in one year, he got their first grade within one spot of the finals, and their cup side went from dead set spooners with the depth and smart buyers of Corey Thompson, Mahe Fanua, and some bargain buyers to top eight in cup and almost top eight in first grade. And, and I've got to be totally honest, there's not a day that goes by where someone doesn't message me saying, hey, do you know what's going on with Ivan Cleary? Because they know that, you know, we're sort of involved at the Tigers, but... Or, I, I have no idea. The bigger... I have no idea. And, and we had, as, as we said, we, we sat down and talked with Ivan Cleary too. He seemed fine, though. He, he gave absolutely no indication that he was going to leave. He was involved in all the bits of the development stuff the other week and he was hands-on. He was there for three or four hours in the off-season in his own time. He didn't have to be there, but he was. So, so. for me, I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't, like, for me, I don't, I don't want to get involved in it anyway. Like, if he moves on, he moves on. Like, what we say and what we think are irrelevant, really. Um, but for the for the... For the Tigers, you just bloody hope that he does stay. But all this off-field innuendo and talk, where there's smoke, there's fire. So it, do- yeah. it doesn't look good. But if I'm the Tigers, I'm they're just got to play this smart. They're they're in the strongest position here, well, provided that they play it right. I have the gun to Penner's head right now because I don't want him there. But I'm getting something for it, and it's not something minor. They reckon that. But they... Would you want Cameron Serraldo? No, I don't want Cameron Serraldo. They want cash. They want players, and I'm doing what I well, said what, to you before. Who, what players would you want? Well, I go to Penrith, like I said to you. And how does that work? Because you can force their hand in the sense of they could go to a player and say you're interested to go to the Tigers. You go to Penrith because they've already made moves. But it's not a trade. Like, what what are we talking about here? You need to go to a player. That's what you say to them on the phone. And they can do this. Who's off contract next year? You go, who's off contract? They'll tell you. And you go to those players and you go, who are those you're not interested in having? Yeah. You go tell them right now that they're not in your plans and that the Tigers are interested. I'm forcing their hand straight away. And if not, I'm asking... Again, you're forcing players to go across. Well, if you're not going to re-sign them, how motivated are they going to be at Penrith? They take that as an insult. They might want to make the move. Yeah, but they may also but if say, well, I'll stay here a year and I'll earn a contract well, somewhere fine. else. If you're interested in that player, though, how are you going to find out otherwise? Yeah, I... Penrith are already under pressure salary cap-wise and they made those moves and they've already said for the next two years they're pretty much tied in. They need to win now as well because they've got to start turning And that's why over. if I'm the Tigers... Releasing Ivan now and that's why gives Penrith a leg up because it allows them to have a full preseason with a coach. Whereas if they well, release Ivan, they're not going to have a full. All the pre-season pressure goes on Penrith if they take Ivan, as far as I'm concerned. No, but to I, win. if I'm the Tigers, I'm I'm controlling this as much as I can. I'm definitely not so giving I. them Ivan before Christmas. But I want. I, I will. But I want. I wouldn't. Exceptional. Absolutely no. Hope I want in the world. exceptional. I want to dividends. disrupt Penrith as much as I possibly can. I have two years left, close to eight hundred thousand dollars, and I have a coach that you sacked. And we're not financially strong, and you've got better juniors. I want if it's a money, good package. Yeah, but like money, yeah. 
Well, I want a package deal. I want I more than just money. Longevity and the, the best position for the club, they need to find the best person well, for We the spent job. too much time on it. Again, we've talked way too much about Tigers. But mm. uh, the shame is, from everything good I just said, it, uh, a lot of it could be undone in one season if Ivan Cleary leaves. All right, that's bottom eight. Yeah. Eighth place, the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, they were 10th in attack, 5th in defence, which is a big turnaround in that regard usually for them. 15 wins, 9 losses. Over, under was 9.5. I said under, you said over, so you got that right. The year prior, 13th place, they used 26 players this year, but I guess the big thing to start this season for one of the first times ever, they looked fit, they looked energetic, uh, you know, they outlasted sides, they had energy for the whole game. Defensively, they were much better, especially first half of the season in the middle of the field. Their intent, their line speed, their first up contact, which is something we're not used to seeing. Sheck came back in all his glory, healthy, strong this year. Isaac Luke, we mentioned. Uh, so when you got those guys in the spine, along with Blake Green, early doors, guiding the ship, kicking well and controlling things for Sean Johnson, everything looked positive. Harris was helpful to Johnson also on that edge. Fussy Tua, Marmolo, their back five and their set starts were exceptional. But as the year progressed, you know, guys kind of went in and out. So Sheck, Johnson, those guys all missed a couple of games each. The forward pack didn't quite live up to the same standard. Uh, Afoa and these guys that started off with a bit of a bang, Blair, Thought they all kind of had on and off games. So in the middle, they struggled a little bit. Another big problem was their left edge. The Qatar edge where he defends with green, they were found out more often than not. I think 40% of the tries went down, that edge in particular. And then they just had a couple of blowouts every so often. So when they played Melbourne after starting so well, they got beat by 50. And then there was a couple other times they had big scores put on them and then they'd come out the back end and they rolled the Broncos. But then they lose to the Titans and the Dogs, which cost them potentially a home final. Well, it did cost them a home final because they missed the top four by one win. The inconsistency creeped in, but I guess the big thing this year is they won enough games early and they addressed their away record, which is usually terrible. But the they way won, they finished... They won eight of their first 12. That's why they made the eight. Simple as that. They, they usually start poorly. Um, they won their first five games this year. So when we said that, they have to start well. Once they get behind the eight ball, the Warriors, they're not a side that handles adversity really well. Yeah, the origin was period shown, was no longer an advantage this year. Yeah, that was shown when the pressure went on at the back end of the year. They probably, from where they were positioned, they should have finished top four. They didn't. Uh, and then in the finals, they lost Sheck in that game against Penrith where they looked on top and they, shut and they, they fell away. So, uh, look, it's a, it's definitely a step forward. You've got to commend Steve Kearney for the changes he made and the, you know, the culture that he's building there. But they need to take another step forward next year for me. They've got to win a semi-final next year now uh, and, and continue to press forward and develop. And, and you look at their spine. We go through every team's spine. Shaq played well. Luke played well. Green was in and out. Johnson was, Johnson was okay, in and out. But, but... And that's why he finished sort of mid-table. I think if Green was fit, I think that hurt him a lot. It just hurts their stability. Kicking game, field position, completions, well, things like Harris that. Harris as well, the back end and of the year. And it just unlocks. Well, Harris is kept, a huge loss. He went out for almost eight or Having Green games. there, just, it improves your field position and improves your completion rate. And for a side like the Warriors, they need that. Because yeah. they don't defend their line well. And they score a lot of points when they're down in good ball areas. So. Yeah, well, they've got the three best set starters in Sheck, Marmolo, Fussy Tour, possibly the best finish in the game of Fussy Tour. Solomon Carter's rocks and diamonds, but he was the weak link in defence. Him and Green together need to improve that. And he, po- he's just a mini hurl, really, isn't he? He's yeah, very, very I, I think he's more more steady, but his best and worst also pretty bad. Isaiah Papali, only twenty years old, was good on that edge, but he's also a culprit of that defensive issue. So between those three, that's got to get better. In particular, Luke off surgery, they've got Tavanga there, who had a good in year. 
You look at what they've lost and what they've gained. I question their forward pack at start this year. That was my main concern. Mm. I think I was right in saying so, but you need to step forward next year again from Arfala, who was great off the bench. Sate, who got an extension. Tavanga with his bench impact. Papali, Sam Lasone, once he come back in. All those guys take a step forward and your forward pack improves and they're more consistent, along with Ignatius Parsi, who at the back end of the season I thought was their best forward. Um, those guys all take a step forward, along with Armour coming in. That's the only gain. You expect them to be better. The spine's there. Harris healthy for the year. The back three. There's a lot of good pieces and potentially a very good side. But all those young forwards are your real key. Yeah. They have to take another level up. What they've lost, like Vete wasn't a big loss. Santo, Manai Cherrington wasn't playing. Gelling only had a handful. Lino Hurts, I suppose, in halves depth and mentoring for the veteran he was. But same time, he was at that point. Leg speed, etc. Like He's a good influence around the camp, no doubt about it. But on field presence, uh, I don't really think they've lost a whole lot. And they've got a good... Backup half in Chanel Tavita Harris, who's another one coming through the grades like they generally do have. So obviously they're confident in his ability with Leno moving on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've got to take another step forward. You need growth in those guys in particular. And Nathaniel Roach, who looked really good the year before, his few games at nine, he's going to have to start the season off probably with Luke having a shoulder reconstruction. So again, season start and then injuries during the year are the big question marks. Yeah. And another preseason under Corvo can only be a good thing for a lot of these young forwards in particular. They should be mentally stronger again. Yeah, absolutely so, agree. See what happens on that side of thing for the Warriors, but pretty positive year, I'd say, all around. And the best away record, considering a side that has to travel. A, that's a good thing for them Massive. to have. Well, their defense, their improvement in their defense was a huge uh, step in the right direction for me. Yeah. Seventh place, the Dragons attack. They were fourth defensively. They were ninth, 15 wins, nine losses. Over under 12 and a half. We both had over the year before they finished ninth. They used 20. Five players, and a big part of that, I think, due to not trusting the depth, like I said, in the bench. But um, they eventually finished up here. Oh, I've, I'm sorry, I've mixed up the order there with the way they finished, but I may as well just keep going this way because they're only one or two spots out from how they actually finished. So um, they started on absolute fire. I think that penalty crackdown I said that mid year was a big advantage for them because they were basically one of these teams that were taking anything from within 40 from Gareth Widop. He kicked a ridiculous amount of penalty goals. Ben Hunt. Started really well. Their forward pack was the best in the competition. You had DeBellin, Frizzell, Armour coming off the bench, Paul Vaughan, Tarek Sims. like that. They were red hot. Um, they got to mid-year after a very, very strong start, hit the origin period, and they kind of battled through there. They had a couple of games where Paul McGregor said he was going to rely on some bench players, but he didn't. He said he was going to rest those origin players. He didn't. He reached deep for more minutes against Parra and the Dogs just to get wins. And I think he, in turn, put his players in deficit. So he put Vaughney, Sims, who wasn't really playing, but played him, Frizzell, DeBell. He put more kilometres in the legs and put more fatigue in those guys. And then the last game against the Tigers, after those guys were busted out of origin, I thought, surely he's going to rest all of them. He plays them all. They lose. Frizzell's the only one who gets a rest. He's playing needled. DeBellin's got an ankle and a hip problem. Vaughney finishes off with a syndesmosis and a broken foot. Graham at uh, the back end of the year, Widop pops your shoulder like it, it all just unraveled. And, you know, that forward pack in particular was a big key to their success. And then I think the penalty crackdown hurt. They weren't getting free points anymore. They started to struggle and attack, and teams figured them out. And without that go forward and that platform with those guys being busted, yeah. he he didn't put enough into that bench early in the year. And when you saw Blake Laurie and a couple of guys get minutes at the back end, they actually weren't that bad. We spoke about this mid season. The Dragons won nine of their first 12. Yeah. This is why the competition split so quickly because there were sides like the Warriors, like the Dragons, like the Panthers, um, like the you know the Storm, the Roosters, who all got to jump early. 
Yeah. Um, and the other sides just weren't able to catch up because at the back end of the year, there were teams playing better than the Dragons. They were getting beaten by teams down the bottom. They lost to... Well, the Dogs, you um, nearly had them, 38 They middle, lost. Well, they lost to the Storm, the Tigers, the Roosters, the Warriors, the Eels, the Dogs, the Knights. Uh, sorry, not the Knights. And then they lost, obviously, to the Rabbitohs to finish the season. But, well, at least five of those are top eight sides. But Yeah, but they... Well, the point is, is that when you get to the finals, you have to beat them anyway. And they just, like you said, the impact of, the, of origin is the biggest factor, I think, in, you know, drawing and trying to work out a reason why they fell away so badly. Um, but, you know, a lot of people from within the origin camp and people at clubs are saying that the origin players are actually come back with less Ks on their legs no, and they have don't. to make it up. But... I, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know what the data looks like. I don't know whether they get less time on their legs. But the fact of the matter is, is if they're if they're playing in Origin games, that's worth two club games in terms of the intensity and the contact and the mental stress. Exactly. So, yeah, it's well. The other thing and, is, well, and the, the point is also, like you said, that if they've played them in those games, they haven't won those games anyway. So you might as well have rested them and then had benefit of good performances later in the year. Well, so. those short turnaround ones double up after a hard game and. Well, it's yeah. like playing three games in two weeks. And really. then you've got to look at it from the perspective that I brought up. When you've got a guy like Frizzell who's played for Australia in that last few years in origin, he's already he's never had surgery. He's been playing with a lot of problems. Mm. So he starts the season already under rehab management. So they rested him once or twice, but he's already getting needled. DeBellin got to that point where he was getting needled. Like you've got guys that are playing yeah. already through injury. Like You're not going to get the best out of a guy if he's not 100%. No. And he said earlier in the year, I'm going to invest time in these guys and play them. He didn't. He gave them five well, minutes, five minutes, again, ten minutes, and that hurt too. Talk about the spine. Um, ben Hunt played his best footy at the start of the year. Yep. Widot played great, got injured. McInnes played his best footy at the yep. start of didn't the year. Didn't get the Origin jersey, fell off. Duffy Hunt went played after his Origin, best footy fell off. at the start of the year, fell away. Yep. So key positions, they dipped at the back end of the year. And they also rely on And the they pack. lost their fo- the key back. forwards. They lost Vaughny and the other guys were tired. And the other so one hurt simple as that. for a few games as well. Nana McDonald in yardage is massive for them. And I thought yep. they got a good find in Pereira at the back end. He was really good yeah, was. in yardage. Aitken hurts. He was good yardage, but he got injured. Yeah. Um, but... You know, Lafayette had a steady year. I thought they had a good year around. People were bagging out their finish. I didn't think they'd be running first. I thought they were going in the top eight. I think I, I had them seven. I had them top four, I think. Or well, maybe I, I had them finishing eighth. Have you got where I had them finishing? You had the Dragons finishing fifth, I had them eighth. There you go. So I forgot to kind of go through and say what we had finishing is in place, but I, I, I was surprised they started the way they did and they got to that point. The big question moving forward again is, I don't think invested in those guys enough time, but are they going to be better? And I think next year they have to be better. Because realistically, the only player that was really of importance that moved on was Armour from the bench. They replaced him with Corbin Sims, so you're looking at a younger set of legs. I think he's hit and miss, but he had some good games at the back end of the year. Zach Lomax coming in, I think he's definitely should have been there earlier. Yeah, he's a good player. So he's replacing realistically Nightingale. I thought Pereira at this point in his career is better yeah, than Nightingale. Nightingale off the bench. Like, that was stupid. Strange, you don't play an outside bat. Like I already don't like the fact they play man there, but at least man can play a few different spots. Man was but good. Lomax has to fit in somewhere. It was a bit Anthony Griffin like for me. So Lomax has got to fit. Um, you know, you've got Laurie who showed with some stints at the end and Leilua that they can do something. They need big preseasons and they need more trust. Because you need to get more out of your bench. He, he had way too many minutes invested in those guys, and they're probably going to play Origin again. Or at least you'd think Frizzell's a lock. Yeah. Vaughn's going to have more competition with McLean and a few other guys back on board. And then you've got Sims, who I thought should have got a bit of a look in. But if they've got Cordner, Frizzell, etc., he might not be in as well. But, you know, McInnes has to improve. The halves combination is going to get better with another preseason. But, um, yeah, I think there's, there's got to be an improvement. But depth still a question for me next year. But they need more of those young guys. 
and the fall off. Uh, a lot of people trying to knife McGregor. I think he, this is the first time he genuinely got his side. And when they got into the final series, I think the way they finished, you can't knife them. They smashed Brisbane week one with no expectation and players out. And then week two, the brain snap of Ben Hunt to run on the last tackle realistically stopped them from going into Golden Point against South Sydney, which I, I thought they probably had a chance to win that game. Yeah, they did. So they almost made the preliminaries with the, again, players Again, they should out. have finished top four. Where they were yep. positioned at the halfway pole, not finishing top four is what cost them. Yep. Don't disagree with you there. And see so what happens when they move on to next year. But the Brisbane Broncos, they finished sixth. They were fifth in attack. Defense, they were 12th, which is the big blight for them. 15 wins, nine losses. Over, under was 13 and a half. I went over, you went under. Uh, the year before, they were third. They used 28 players. This one, I think we nailed before the season kicked off. I put them in eighth purely because they're the Broncos, and I thought they would have found a way to get into the finals. They did, but we questioned the halves. We questioned the young forward pack, and no doubt they had some talent, but are these two going to lead you to a final series or a competition win? No. They were stupid to let Hunt go. They were stupid to buy Bird for the amount of money they did. That completely backfired. Blooding those kids was great, but I said it beforehand. I'm not relying on Lodge, Offerhangawi, and these guys to somehow dominate a final series when it's their first year of first grade. And the positive comes out of it is David Fafita, Katoni Staggs, Jaden Sewer, Payne Haas, Jermaine Azarko, Gemma Hutch, Shibasaki, Matt Lodge, like Tavita Pangai Jr. All these guys were great, but it was literally probably their first full seasons. Pangai's been around for a few years, but he's been on and off the bench for 15, 20 minutes since. This was his first real year playing full time first grade and 80 minutes a game. And that's huge moving into the year after. But I still look at it and go, well, Sean O'Sullivan's coming in to be a halfback now. It's still a lot of pressure on him next year as the seven. I think he does a better job than Nick Arima and takes pressure off Milford. But then do you get enough out of McCulloch off that ACL? I thought he was a bit quieter this year. Mm. Darius Boyd, does he stay at one or do you move Asako there? You know, like that's the only player they've got coming in. And they've got more good kids coming. They won the Queensland Cup, their feeder side, their under 20s team, North Devils won. They've got Thomas Flegler and Pat Carrigan, who are two gun under-20s Queensland props again, so it's another position they're stacked at. Shannon Gardner got the under-20s player of the year up there. He's another half. Tanner Boyd is another young half. He's played all the Queensland reps and Australian schoolboys who's theirs. So there's no question they are stacked with young talent. But how do you fit all that in? And again, first and second year players don't win your comps. Mm. You're relying solely on kids. Are they exciting to watch week to week? Yes, but that showed up here in their inconsistency. They couldn't control a lot of games. They couldn't close it out. When they were good, they were great. They had some weeks where they terrorised sides. When they were bad... Yeah, I couldn't work them out. They were Look, bad. Well, I knew one thing. The halves, the key position players, again, they weren't going to get. They weren't going to win a comp. No, and you can't I think lean where them. they finished flattered them. Um, they get a lot of favours with the draw, as we know. They get a lot of um, long turnarounds. They've got a fantastic home crowd. The, the advantage they have playing in Brisbane, um, you know, obviously they're a one-team uh, town. But um, that's a huge advantage. They get like 35,000 is a bad crowd for Brisbane. And to have that advantage is huge. A fantastic stadium to play at. Yeah. A very rich club, good facility. So that, that to me is probably something I overlooked when I had them out of the eight. But I, I don't regret picking them out of the eight because, to be fair, I think it's more on the sides that finish below them, like your Canberra, uh, like the fact that Newcastle had some injuries that they didn't really compete with Brisbane to put them out of the eight. But they, 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 they were never winning the comp. They, nah. They've got some good young players, but never the, comp. the biggest cock-up that Wayne Bennett's made since his return to the club is allowing Ben Hunt to walk when he didn't have someone and to replace Ash Taylor him. And went as well. He, he 
thought that he was going to get Ash Taylor back. It was a bit of arrogance by Wayne, I think, to think, well, I'm just going to, I'll get Ash Taylor back. Ben Ben Hunt can go. And then when Ash Taylor re-signed with the Titans, he was left with nothing. I also think he just didn't rate Ben Hunt because Ben Hunt's first words when he well, came here. Well, he did here. it, but he, if that's all you've got, then that's all you've got. I think he just... He's, he went he's to a grand victim. final with him and he played for Australia. Get that, but he's, that, victim, so. he's just victim of a little bit of arrogance, I think, in that he thought that he would just get Ash Taylor and he didn't. In saying that, though, I think they overachieved with the spine they had. I agree with that. And the kids that. and given the off-field crap with Wayne Bennett and the club. Yeah. And in saying that as well... Moving forward, like the Tigers, I don't know what to think for next year because Tavita Pangai Jr. said he's going with Wayne. So if Wayne doesn't sign there and he goes to the Tigers, does that mean Pangai Jr. doesn't want to beat the Broncos? Apparently, Payne Haas and a few of these kids may have had clauses for Wayne, not all of them, but a couple apparently asked for them. Matt Lodge said that he's with Wayne Bennett as well, but he's already been sacked by the Tigers. Like, a couple of these guys haven't re-signed yet because of Wayne Bennett and salary cap. Yeah. So what happens there? And then I ask again next year, like second-year players, do I trust you to go 24 rounds and lead them to the finals? I don't think so. People are talking that they should be top four in a premiership threat next year, but if you still don't have a halfback, like is O'Sullivan going to be enough in one year to turn it around? Is Boyd and McCulloch threatening off at one and nine? I don't think so. I think they're a top eight side again with the amount of talent they've got, but I think we're going to get much the same realistically in the fact that it'll be up and down. And with Gillette off a neck surgery, like he was the best back row slash kind of tight player I think suits him better doing all that dirty work, like him coming back in means that one of these kids that's just signed a deal gets pushed out. So Sewer comes off surgery, David Fafida, you've got him, you've got Alex Glenn, like someone's going to miss out and someone's not going to make the bench either. And Corey Oates, I forgot about, still hasn't re-signed. He wanted to split from his manager, said that he hoped Wayne Bennett's at the club, but he's still talking to clubs. So there's still question marks there. Yeah, they've got as much off-field... Yeah. Yeah, as much off-field drama, I think, is what the Tigers do, really. And, and for all out. that talent, like, it's awesome to have all the best young forwards, but it's like a two-year project with forwards. So I think next this year and next year are growth towards what should be probably more so a massive 2020. So by 2020, to me, they need to have their spine sorted. Mm. If you don't have a halfback, and Darius Boyd's definitely not your fullback by that point, your spine needs to be sorted because the year after that, if they're rolling with Pangai Jr., Matt Lodge, Jaden Sewer, David Fafita, Payne Haas, and you've got like Shibasaki and some of these guys in the back line, along with Asako, Shannon Garden, the Tanner Boy. Like, if these kids push in and Milford has a good forward pack and a controlling seven with him, like, they're a real threat moving forward. Yeah. They, they much like Penrith, have a really good crop, but not just good crop. These guys are bona fide first graders. But the pieces around it, the coach moving forward, like, there's questions that I can't answer right now. So I don't know what to expect. And yeah. not, not until we do our preseason preview next year and we know all these guys are locked in and what's going on, I don't really know what to think for next year. But I'd see him in a similar spot. Probably bottom end of the eight, plenty of upside, but not quite enough in the key positions and consistency from those young kids. But it's been a good year for them when I said you run through all those names of those kids that came in. Uh, even Staggs, who didn't get as many games as I thought. I really like Katani Staggs. Mm. Um, there's a lot there. There's heaps. But they've got to find you've a got to fit them all and yeah. you've got to find... Sean, Sean will do a good job there. I think he It'll will. It'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. I think that means... I need more from Milford as well. I think that turns Nick Arima into a bench utility, but at the same time, I don't want to carry him on the bench because I don't want to play him at nine. I've got Staggs as a guy that would play as a utility if he can't fit in. But then I look at Staggs and at the back end of the year and I look at a guy like Jordan Carhu to me who's just white bread. I'd rather play Staggs as a centre yeah. over Carhu. And then you've got Bird who we spoke about. Where's Bird fit? Bird doesn't fit in that side for me. Hmm. Well, he doesn't. I don't know why they're boarding. So it's, you know, that, that, that costs you the halfback, really. That's what yeah. we said a million times. So, yeah. Oh, I think Milford at the back end copped a bang rap. Oh, his king game improved. 
he had more offloads than any half, more line breaks, more run meters, more kick meters, etc. So I, I thought he, he took on that role, but that's to be expected if you get a million dollars. So see what happens to the Broncos moving forward. But fifth place, Penrith Panthers attack. They were six defensively. They were eight, 15 wins, nine losses, over under 13 and a half. Uh, we both went under 13 and a half. Uh, we were both wrong. 2017, they were seventh. They used 27 players. Uh, I had them finishing six. They landed about where I thought, but obviously pre-season we had our thoughts given all the murmurs, the coaching situation, and whether smoke there was fire, they denied it as much as they could, but it was true. I thought they did good to play through that, and when they started off the year quite well, that was all kind of let go. But middle of the year, talk about clash, about playing the origin players, and Gould and the club weren't happy with playing origin players, and a bit of unrest there between the older kids and the younger kids. Mm. And before you know it, he's been sacked for the run home for Seraldo, and things weren't looking too too great. They had some poor performances. They had some bad losses and they had a couple of comeback wins. But going into the finals, I didn't think they were a threat. Um, week one, they looked like they were going to get done by the Warriors. They get the comeback win when Shaq comes off, which was a good win, mind you. And then against the Sharks, they come home like a freight train. But again, Gallon was off the field second half, Luke Lewis. Um, so the opportunity was there. But we said it all year. A lot of those came against bottom eight sides and you're not going to go through the finals coming from behind. And it bit him on the ass, regardless of any Panther fan that said, oh, we would have done a better job against Melbourne or in the grand final. South or the Roosters, anyone in that f- final four or in the grand final would have wiped the floor with Penrith. Yeah. And there was a big difference between yeah. top four, bottom four. The the back end of the year and just all year, the way they started games defensively at times, you know, they were hot and cold. They had problems on their edges. Maloney's edge in particular and kick out at times, they, like, they got found out between those co- a couple of guys. It was quite poor. Uh, and the other thing was just errors. Errors coming out of their own end and penalties. They, they gave away a lot of penalties, letting teams out, and then errors inside 20, they were bad for. They were very bad for. And yeah. Next year, like the comeback thing's all well and good, and you can't coach that. A lot of people must say, how do you coach that? That's just in that group. There's enough natural talent there that when they get hot, things just start to stick, but you don't want to be playing that kind of football. Address your first 20 minutes, clean up some of those errors, and you, know, you need to do better. But um, I look at this and... The, the real thing that probably left Missouri desire was before Origin that Dragons game. They showed all the signs you wanted to show. Mm. They were relentless in the middle. That forward pack looked great. The halves were controlling things when Cleary got that with Maloney and you, you thought they could find a bit of balance in the back line, even with the loss of Edwards and then Dallin came in and Crichton plugged in for Mansour. You know, Katoa for Peter Wallace, there were some good signs. But next year, the real question is, Maloney healthy? Uh, if I'm Penner, if I don't need to play Origin anymore. And I think that Cleary despite the fact he is technically born in Ipswich. If he wants to play Origin, I think that he'll be the sit in the halves next year. I need Maloney healthy for the year. I need Cleary healthy for the whole season. I need our attack to improve because there's not enough layers to it at the moment. It's very Barry basics. There's not enough push. There's not enough supports. Tamar and Merrin, I'm certain they're trying to move them behind the scenes, and I've heard as much so because mm. they're not getting out of that. And that's that's on them. They pay for those guys. Yeah, just right. like they pay for Cartwright and Moylan, so they can't complain. Said it before, there's no more bullshit about, oh, we're still developing. They've had the roster now. They've flipped over. They've signed kids. They've decided to move players on. They've got a good enough side, and I think they've failed the last two years. Start to win now. But this to win. is it. They've yep. locked in. They've had to make decisions to move on Peachy, Haru, and Ira because of salary cap. They've got kick out. They've got all these blokes there. They've got more kids coming through. They just missed out on winning the 20s. They won the 18s. They should have won the ISP. It's moving time. Yeah, time like, to there's win. There's no more excuses. And if they get Ivan, there's even more pressure to win right now. You know, so. Yeah, look, I've said plenty on Penrith this year. Um, they've definitely got the players there. Yeah, well, they uh, their biggest downfall has been, I think, off the field 
and internally they've leaked a lot. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's created pressure that's transferred whether they like it or not onto the field. They've got a top four roster. Again, they started the season very well. They fell away at the back end. Were they origin impacted? Maybe, but you know the one thing that Penrith have got is depth. And yeah, well, Lou, they, I there's made. no real excuse for for them slipping during origin because they should be able to bring in guys that are ready made first graders. Um, yeah, you know the, the sacking of the coach was interesting. Um, I think a lot of the commentary around Phil Gould and the fact that you know he says one thing and and does another. I think he's got to own a little bit of that this year. I, you know, I've been a big supporter of what he's done at the club, um, and I respect him immensely as a football brain and as an operator. But you know, I think this year the, the whole club slipped a little bit in terms of management uh, and the way that this was handled. The fact that there was a lot of leaks out of the club, um, I think everyone there's got to take a little bit of ownership out of that. I do think, however, how they steadied once the sacking had been made, and they, I think they, they just beat the Titans and they lost their next two. There was a lot of pressure on Serato and the, and the club um, for them to win against the Warriors. I think it was was a big thing, and um, you know it's a game against Cronulla that they should have won. They just gave up too many points like they had all year. It was well, the just first a, half they were terrible. Yeah, so look for Penrith now. It's shut up and win. Yeah, no talking. No pre- more. Even if they get Ivan in, no more. They got to just block the preseason. No more. No it's got to be next year. If they're not playing in a preliminary final, their season's a failure. Well, they're stacked. Edwards will be back. Dallin's back. So they've got to find out who's wing, who's fullback. You've got Wunga Blake. You've got Dean Farah. You've got Josh Mansour, Cleary, Maloney, Merrin, yep. Tarmow, Campbell Graham, Leota, Hetherington. Well, they've blooded all these kids. They've got Yo. They've got Kikia, yep. Fisher-Harris. Even with Peachy and Harry, and I moving on. They've won. Like, they're... they're New they South Corey Waddell to Manly as well. They, he signed on Friday to go to the Manly Seagulls, which Sh- is... Sean Bloor moved big. from SG Ball to 20s to New South Wales Cup. He's one of the best young back rowers. William Burns played under 20s, New South Wales, played Cup. Ravel played 20s and Cup. Yeah. And Liam Martin played Cup all year, 20s eligible. Mitch Kenny played 20s eligible. He played Cup. Like, they are stacked. Yeah. There's no excuses. And we said it this year. Who can lose two halves, a fullback, replace them, replace them with a hooker? Like, First graders. The only real question is next year for me is Katoa your full time nine? Because it's hard to go find one. So he needs mm. to develop between him and Egan. I still don't think Egan. That's the hole. I, I, nine's I don't the hole. Look at, I, I look at both of those and halves go, are they depth. a premiership winning nine? No. But you've got good enough halves and a good enough forward pack and yeah, good enough So depth. you've got to be complimented by a strong spine. But and like again, like, I just ran through all those kids. Like Lil I, Caleb Aikens played a game. He was great. He won the New South Wales Cup. Player of the Year, uh, Kate Ellis played, Jack Hetherington, Wade Egan, like Bloor, Burns, Martin, Louis Toso, Reed Izzard, Ravel, Lainu, Kenny, Dane Laurie from the 20s. They're stacked. Yeah, they are. They've got so many kids. So shut up and win. That's it. That's all we want to hear next year from Penrith. Expectation. No more excuses. So, for, no, for their fans too. Like, Sure, you're sick of all the off-field stuff. Well, they're finishing the same week of the final three years in a row now, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's moving time. It is moving time. Well, we move on to the Sharks. Uh, they were fourth, and they got eliminated in the prelims. 16 wins, eight losses. Attack, they were eighth. Defense, they were sixth. Over, under 13 and a half. We both went over. They used 27 players, and they were fifth the year prior. Uh, I think... I think they overachieved. I think they overachieved, given the circumstances and all the changes all year. And we said it. They couldn't settle on a halves pairing. They couldn't settle on a fullback. And up to the start of Origin, they still hadn't settled on that. Mm. It wasn't until they came out of Origin that I think Holmes, them and Melbourne were very similar in that they just couldn't settle in some key areas. Yeah, Holmes just jumped out of his skin. The development and the rapid improvement there with the ball playing, the supports, the push around the middle of the field, 
Prior, Fafita, etc., had good years. I thought Townsend had a steady year. Moylan built into the year after a slow start and trying to figure out that side. The big gaping hole was Wade Graham. Every time he's on the field, you realise how much of a difference he makes that left edge. Yeah. But And he played, what, 11 games? At the something? same time, he didn't finish half the games he played in. Um, you know, Gallon continues to defy time but plays a lesser role. I still think, you know, between Catewell, Lewis and a few of these guys, but... <laughs> Um, you know, Jesse Raymond, exceptional, but I still question, like I said before, for all the things I think Flanagan's done well, he seems to like veterans and it's cost them some young kids the last couple of years. Yeah. So buying Dugan and paying heavy money and not giving Holmes that first crack, they're saying he wants to go home now just because of his misses and he lives up there, but I think part of it would be that they've, you know, hesitated on giving him the job for so long. And then Raymond goes to Newcastle. I know he's got a daughter, young daughter up there, but at the same time, you look at the situation, I'm sure they couldn't pay him what Newcastle could because they've overpaid for Dugan. Yeah, and now they've brought Josh Morris in, and they've got good young kids when because they, they've won their twenties and they should have won cup. So I'm still looking at now. There's a fine line soon here for Shane Flanagan to lose kids to, or keep buying veterans, and you need to figure that out. Like Luke Lewis being gone, they haven't really replaced him. And I know Britton Nakora, who was outstanding New Zealand twenties player, played in their cup side. He's like eligible for that spot. Kurt Cable play a little bit. Sorensen, but but you know, like these kind of guys need to move in and move up. Mm-hmm. So that's my question moving forward. There's all the talent in the world. Sione Katoa, Jack Williams, we saw a little bit of his own son, Flanagan, Britton Nakora, Bronson Cherry is a gun young center. Isaac Louis Louie, uh, Billy Magulius is like a back row half. They've got a lot There's of young two. players. Bronson Cherry, Kyle Flanagan. I think Bronson Cherry is going to come in. Britton uh, He's going to play a lot, of full, uh, a lot of first grade next year. Kyle Flanagan, I think, he's going to make his way into the halves um, on a full time basis next year. Holmes, so where does he go? Out. No, well, I, I don't know. He plays 14. I'd probably move Moylan. Um, I, I don't know. I'd, Where's I just Moylan think, go? Well, Holmes to one. is one. Well, yeah. Is he going to be there? Is, well, is they Holmes said they're not letting him go. They don't okay. care. So if they're moving. But if he says, if he says signs with the Cowboys, what do you do? You can still keep him there? They've already said we don't care. Like, he's ours next year. We're not yeah. letting him go. We're not doing anything. And he's rejected all Look, their I offers. Even Flanagan can come on, play a bit of nine. Um, I just think he's... He's too good to be sitting in reserve grade. Well, his brother plays he's nine. He's as good as Nathan Cleary. Brayley's brother plays nine in reserve grade, and I think he's got more attack than Jaden does. Mm. Jaden's a better defender. Blake's got a lot of attack in him. He's another one I forgot, who's another yeah. under-20s eligible kid. So he's got some decisions to make moving forward, and there's some losses there that do hurt. Like, Lee had a good year for them. Luke Lewis hurts. Jesse Raymond, Ricky Latelli for a long time. Kurt Dillon played some games. They got rid of Hodkinson, which helped out their salary cap situation. But, like, Morris or, you know... Well, I think Catewell will come in for Lewis. Um, Sherry could potentially come in for Ramian. Yeah, they've got, they've, got still got they've got good outside backs. Dugan has to play. Latelli. Uh, Latelli's gone. Yeah, look, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, holes to fill. Well, I think Morris and they'll, Dugan, they'll be all right. with the money-wise, what they've spent, have to be their centres. Mm. Your wing, Sione Katawa, I think, gets a spot. And Valentine Holmes is your fullback. And then the other side of the field, I don't think Fecky's been resigned yet. I so. think they, they may slide a little... But I can't see them falling out of the top eight. No, but there's a lot of young kids that are going to come in next year. Mm. I think, or well, there's going to have to be a couple that step up. Britton Nakora, they're talking about It'd this pre-season. It'd be interesting pre-season. to see whether um, Gallon's gone a year too long. Yeah, because it's just, a pretty bad injury he suffered, he similar to the Cooper Conk injury. They're saying so. Yeah, who knows? Well, Holmes is exceptional. Fafita had another good year prior. Raymond was good, but he's obviously on his way out the door. They would be disappointed, I think, with what they got out of Duke and considering what they paid. And I think they might regret that move now. I think that's kind of hurt them. Plenty of good kids winning those two competitions, but their year was a bit checkered. I think, to me, they blew the chance to win the minor premiership. 
Mm. They lost two close games against Brisbane they shouldn't have. They lost a game to Manly that they kept leading. There was yeah. a couple of games like that that they blew just completely. That they yeah. should have won. And I know they, at the back end, probably fell victim to the injuries. They lost Gallon. Lewis was barely healthy to play that final. Wade Graham was already out like, and Fecky went off. But um, I think they, you know, they again hurt themselves last year. They should have had a home final. And considering the ups and downs of the season, I, yeah, I think they were their own worst enemy. But the other thing as well, their attack proved out of sight. That's been something we've questioned in the, in the past. The back end of the year, they were making line breaks at will. Mm. I think they made the second most line breaks in the comp, but their defense kind of waned. They were so strong. Their team inside 20 that was uncompromising gave you nothing, a bit like the Roosters. But proven in those games, like against Manly, where they cop 30-something points, like they, I think they kind of went away from an area of theirs that's usually been so strong. And then off the field, obviously, they had a few little bits and pieces again with... Uh, old Andrew. So, yeah, some some decisions to be made next year. And coming out of their preseason, we're going to see a few new faces, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, not a whole lot coming in. But And Woods was a good late pickup, we must admit, considering the way he started the season. But um, off contract, I think the only one they've really got left is James Seguiara. Still don't know what he's doing. We heard he was going to the Dogs. We heard Newcastle were interested. Like, there's been a lot of talk about him. But other than that, um, there'll be some new faces. Third place, South Sydney, 16 wins, eight losses, first in attack, seventh in defence, over under 11.5. We both got that one. Uh, players used, I think it was 26, 27, they were 12th. So new coach, Gagai, really the only new player that came in and Cook getting the start over Farah. But just the turnaround from Seabold in culture and philosophy and some simple principles and loosening the reins. And I think the big, best sign of a coach is with minimal change, he got the most out of all those guys that were there. He got the Burgesses back to doing what they do well, getting a quick ruck. He got Damian Cook to grow into an exceptional player and not only a good first grader, he's now the Australian number nine. He's the best hooker in the competition. Mm. You got Inglis back, Dan Gagai, they had two good attacking edges. I think Crichton was at okay this year, but his mind might have been elsewhere. He played some football, he signed for the Roosters, but um, I, I can't really fault him. The attacking principles were great. Their left edge was very dangerous. John Sutton, Reynolds, like he maximised a lot of guys that were poor the year prior which is a good sign of a coach. He turned things around. The big thing for them, I guess, back end of the year, again, they didn't really trust in their bench. The Burgesses were slowed down and teams figured out that if you laid in on the ruck and kind of hurt the momentum there, Cook obviously doesn't get the run. A lot of the time when he did start running at the back end of the year, they weren't ready for him. They got a tendency to go two sideways too early instead of laying that platform. Um, yeah, there was just a few things and I guess the off-field stuff as well. Uh, the Burgess thing hanging over their head and a couple of injuries at the wrong time and against a side that was the best defensive side in the comp, you would have expected the best attacking team could at least do something and they couldn't score a try. No, they they probably saved their worst footy to the back end of the year. They struggled to beat the Dragons. And they blew that Storm uh, game. They blew too. the Storm game. That was a, the, yeah. real, that was a huge one. The long way around. We both game. felt as though the winner of that game would play in the grand final and that, that rung true. We were hoping that we'd get a South Roosters grand final. They were the best two teams. That, that looked as though, particularly when you look at the grand final, to be the case that it would have been the best game, but... South were at fault for that. They they gave up that game to Melbourne. Melbourne did. You know, Melbourne came back multiple times and then kicked that field goal, Cameron Munster, at the end of that game, which was we we said was the game of the season. Um, Melbourne never really played their better, better any better footy than that. Neither did South, so they sort of peaked a little bit too early in that game. South had to go the long way around the mountain, really struggled to beat the Dragons um, and then flunked it against the Roosters in what I thought was a pretty ordinary game. The Roosters played much better in the grand final. So whether that was down to South spoiling and No and Latrell, no Narp and no Cronk. Yeah. They just made it ugly and defended their way to a win, which yeah. is their best principle. Um, but. South, for me, played probably their better footy, you know, August. 
I thought August, you know, well, the last sort of month nine of the game competition. Nine-game win streak, and then they had a bit of a flat spot. You know, they, they beat Melbourne there at ANZ Stadium and looked quite convincing doing it. And um, they lost a few, and then they got a big you know, win against the Tigers. Yeah, difficult. I, I think they they overachieved. I, I expected them to make the top eight. I didn't expect them to be top four and look like winning the comp. Probably around, around the start of August, I, I really liked them to win it. To be fair, after they beat Melbourne in a convincing fashion, I thought, well, they're, they're a massive chance. And I, I really liked the South Roosters grand final then. I really couldn't see Melbourne getting there, but you go back to again to that finals week one game. Um, but for me, the, all the credit here has got to go to, I think, the playing group for embracing what Seabold bought and were willing to reinvigorate what they were doing. Um, and then secondly, for Anthony Seabold to be able to look as an assistant coach take away what he thought he could change and what needed to change and adapt and bring in some new ideas and get this improvement in their performance, I think is a credit to the coaching and a credit to the playing group. Um, the, the, the end of the season was a disappointment for the Rabbitohs, no doubt, but the challenge now is to go away and make sure that they build another strong season, finish top four, and then hopefully come finals next year, perform better than what they did this year. Yeah, and again, he got the most out of guys that had a bad year. The Twins looked like they were done. They were great. Yeah, Sam went up another level. He got another year out of Sutton. He looks like he's going to stay on. Cook, Reynolds, like he improved a and lot of guys. blooded some guys. Like yeah. he blooded Dwayne, who I thought was really good. Um, or Dwee, or however you say Yeah, Dwee was good. Um, you know, he got the best out Tatola, of Robert, Robert Jennings. Never like Robert Jennings hadn't played that well in first Jennings grade. Jennings was close to one of the best wingers in the comp. He Campbell Graham was fantastic. good again. John Sutton. Like, he revitalised yeah, John Sutton he's re- this year. He revitalised a lot of guys that we were worried about. But um, I think the big Cody question... Cody Walker, I think, played his... That was his best season in first grade. Yeah. The real question next year is big losses, not really. Like, Clark, who didn't play much off the bench. Crichton's the big loss. He got Inglis fit. Like, Inglis yeah. looked bloody fit, man, at the end of the year. Crichton's the only major loss from their starting 17. Players coming over, there's not a whole lot. Kurt Dillon's good depth. Matt McKay Kirik, Bailey Syrian, and so he's got a couple of guys that played mm. like in a cup representative team. The interesting one is Corey Allen. He just got named to the PM's 13. He's a Brisbane Broncos junior. They signed him start of the year for three Robert seasons. Robert Jennings is off contract. Oh, he'll get re-signed, no doubt. They'll sort that out. Corey Allen, though, was a gun... If you're another club, you'd be... Near yeah, he would be. Yeah. That Corey Allen was a gun fullback who's played all the junior reps up at Brisbane. They signed him at start of the year for three seasons. I dare say he will push Alex Johnston next year. He's more physical. I think his kick returns are better. Johnson yeah. started the year good, but he's had these hamstring problems the last few years. He struggled at the back end of the seasons. He can't really stay healthy. And the ball playing kind of went off the boil after looking promising at the start. And he didn't hang around Cook, which you'd expect. So yeah. I wouldn't say he's under major duress. I think he only re-signed last year. But I dare say Corey Allen would give him a push. The rest of the back line's pretty solid and locked in. Jennings, Campbell Graham, Inglis, Gagai, halves assorted, forward pack. But Corey Allen's a sneaky one to keep your eye on for next year at one. Storm. Second place, uh, 16 wins, eight losses, third in attack, second in defense, over, under, 14 and a half. We both got that uh, over. They used 29 players last year. Obviously, they were minor premiers and premiers, but I think this was a massive overachievement. You know, you go into the start of the season, you've lost Tohu Harris, uh, Jordan McLean, Cooper Cronk. They had six or seven go to origin. They had three different halves between Jacks. Hughes and Brody Croft. They started off with Croft the year. They were a bit flat in that regard. He overplayed his hand. They were frustrated with him. And he got dropped. Jacks came in and stabilised things. You know, uh, The back five wasn't as reliable. Vunavalu, Will Chambers, Curtis Scott, I think, all had down years. The Fox was the only one who really improved. Billy missed some games. You know, Smith had to take on a bit more of a burden. In particular, I think he's the real reason we ended up the position we did. His contribution during the origin period after a time was massive for Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Jerome Hughes flashed 
why he's going to be a good replacement next year. And I think in the forward pack, Feliz Cafusi justified why he plays for Queensland Australia. He was exceptional. But honestly, overall, like other than that, like I look at it, I don't think Jesse had a great year again. Like people saying he was great. I don't think he was as good as what people are making out. Cassiano was never healthy and on the field either. Nelson flashes his brilliance, but he's still not as consistent as what he needs to be. Um, and that is lack. Like you look at that side in the 17th from last year, you lost three internationals and you didn't really replace them. Your halfback especially. Stimson solid, but he's not Tahu Harris. Uh, Glasby solid, but he's not Jordan McLean. Um, I think there's obviously money there for Melbourne. Billy Slater's money more than likely goes to Munster if he wants to stay. They didn't replace Harris, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Felice got that money. But Glasby's moved on. Nelson's staying there. They didn't replace Proctor. They didn't replace Cronk. Like, there is money there, but I think something's going to have to come externally. Because internally, looking at it from a, a fan's perspective, there is some players coming through, but they're not ready-made products right now. Mm. You've got Tino Fumo. Oh, I can't even believe his name because it's so Fasumalua, he's only like 19 years old. He played cup this year. He's in the Australian 20 side coming up. He's a monster, but he's a 19-year-old kid. Mm. And then they've got another good kid, Caleb Milne, who played for the Junior Kiwis, who's only 19, 20 as well. So they've got a couple of kids coming through, but again, they're not ready right now. It took a few years to develop McLean, Nelson, and those couple of guys to get the team we had last year where it was stacked. But you could see this year they lacked a few big bodies. We went from a smaller side to a bigger side, which got the job done. Last year we had... Gun pack, good back five, good halves, good bench. This year there was a drop-off, I think, in all areas, yardage in particular. And we made the most errors in the comp, which is uncharacteristic for the Melbourne Storm. But I honestly think uh, making the grand final was a massive overachievement. If the Sharks were healthy and had their best side, I don't know if we get through. And, and honestly, I think South beat us week one. We go out the back door maybe. Or we get to week three and we get beat. But... Yeah, look, I... For a Melbourne fan, I get a lot of messages, people saying, oh, I'm dirty, I'm disappointed, we should have won all these comps. Like, I don't think you appreciate what Craig Bellamy's done. And how hard it is to get there. Craig Bellamy constantly takes scraps around those few players. And again, people say those players made Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy made those players. When he is gone, I have no idea what we're going to do. Hmm. Him re-signing this year is the best thing that happened to that club. Yeah. Because I, I still don't think people realise out there how hard it is to be consistently this successful and go back and look at some of those teams that have played in grand finals look at some of the players in certain positions look at the benches they're not the best sides yeah but I, I, there's a way forward here they've got Croft they've got Scott Drinkwater who I thought was really really good in his um, his debut yep. um, they've got uh, Young Smith who looks like a good nine they've got Cameron Munster so that to well, me is a Munster nice needs spine. To sign on. Yeah, it's a nice spine, but moving forward, that's another ten years yeah. there. Well, you need months to sign. If you can get them all and build them, not not to say that they're going to be as good as the group that's well, going. I don't out, think they're but, going to be, but but they can be competitive. Close to. You need Smith. close to man. You need Cameron Smith to sort out whatever's going on. I, there. I look at the Storm roster and I look at the Titans roster and I like the Storm's young roster better than the Titans young roster. So for me, what does that tell you? It tells you that organisationally and from a recruitment perspective, Melbourne are on point. The Titans are constantly fucking up. And that's why, you know, as much as it is a monetary thing, Melbourne have got a shitload more money than the Titans, but you've got to be buying the right players. We've got no juniors. And you've got to be developing the right players. They said this before this year. 25 of the Melbourne 30 debuted for Melbourne. So they've come through their systems. They're not buying players. They're they're scouring. Well, they're buying them, but at a younger age and bringing them through, which is fine. They're also rejects too, because other guys don't play. Get it. You know, I don't... Yeah, there's no argument there, but... For me, a lot of people are sort of saying, oh, well, they've, you know, they've been in this many grand finals and they've only won that many. But the fact of the matter is, is to get there is a huge thing. Only one team wins it. It's a 50-50, but 
you've got to get there and got to give yourself a chance. This this is the only grand final, apart from the 08 grand final, which was just cocked up through Smith being out. Um, and you look at the side that ran out that day, and Manly were hot. But this is the only real game that I've looked at and gone, Melbourne just lost lost the plot. They were awful. They, they defeated themselves. And the strength of Melbourne is, is that they never beat themselves. And in that grand final, they, they did. did. Um, but for them to get there this year, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't think they'd get to the grand final. No. To be honest, I, I would have been, I would have thought it, it was a huge tick in the box for them to play a preliminary final because you look even at the South game, if they'd lost the South game, they would have played the Dragons the week after. Is that right? I think they could have beat the Dragons. Um, they, I think so too. I think we get They beat. would have then had to play the Roosters. Yeah, we get beat. And I don't think they make the grand final. No. So, you know. I think it's more that other sides fell over, and that's Melbourne strength. They're always going to be there. Yeah. They're like the what are you calling the liquid man off liquid the? Liquid man. The, just they are, just keep coming. And they regenerate and, and they regenerate, and they mm. they will be there again next year. But are other sides? And this is what I said in the grand they're final. Are they going to go past them? I still because they should. Well, you've lost Slater. Yeah, you've well, lost Cronk. You're going to lose Smith. Yeah, I look at our forward pack next year like this year. I don't think it's improved. We haven't really... We but have, I guarantee you they're around the top four again next year. We haven't signed anyone, and we've lost Billy. And I know Hughes is good, but he's not Billy. And we need Smith to sign on, because that'd be huge if somehow that ended up not That won't fall out, over, please. I look next year, and I think genuinely now, for the first time, I'm willing to say they're not a title threat next year. To me, they're not a title threat. No, I didn't think they were this year. Yeah, well, again, but we still looked at it, and there was more pieces there. I don't know if they're a top... Slater out is huge. I don't know if they're a top four side. I think they're definitely in the eight. But to me now, they're looking more... I've just got a, feel, I've got a feeling that Scott Drinkwater is going to come in and be good next year. Well, Munster, I don't know if Munster and play. Smith re-sign and he's on board long-term, I think that's good for another year. And then I think Drinkwater can play one end and a half. So there's real pressure on yeah, Croft there to deliver again. Like and it. Hughes is the one. So I think Drinkwater will push Croft in the preseason to play in the halves, to be honest. Mm. Vunavalu, big year, needs to improve. The Fox was great. Chambers and Scott need to step up. Um, and then the Ford pack, we just need a bit more. Felice was great. Dale was always steady. Nelson's just got a five-year deal, so they've invested in I could in see him. Hughes maybe playing on a wing or um, in the centres and having Drinkwater at one. Yeah, and I, then what do you do with Chambers and Scott that you've invested in? They've invested long-term in both those players. Mm, like, I doubt you're going to drop no, those. I said it, so. Yeah, wing. It's, Can you play Munster and Hughes in the halves? I just like I like what I saw from Drinkwater in that game against Penrith at fullback. I, yeah, I really did. Well, I, I, know I like what I saw game. from Hughes in his games at fullback yeah, too. Yeah, so. I, I know, but I, I like what Drinkwater brings from a passing perspective. I don't know whether Hughes has got that pass in him. Oh, I think he's played. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I like what I saw from Drinkwater. Yeah. All in all, they're going to be younger. It's more development, uh, developmental side, but the key is to get Munster to resign. I think they've got a lot of other guys to lock in, like Hughes, like your Drinkwaters, but... There's a bit of a mini rebuild going on at Melbourne, and a big thing next year is what they do in the market to me. There's going to be a few good kids come in, yeah, but not enough to uh, to be challenged for a title. But they've got money, and I'm interested to see what they do with it. And uh, that wraps them up. So the last one we've got here to finish off is the Sydney Roosters. They were first in the regular season and the premiers. That happened last year as well with the Storm. But 16 wins, eight losses, second in attack, first in defence, so almost the best in both areas. 15 and a half over under. We both went over, and they got there by half a game. Used 28 players, and the year before they were second and obviously got beaten the prelim. But what do you say? It's like four minor premierships, three prelims, and a premiership, and they're, they're strong every well, year. Well, then they brought in arguably the best fullback, best fullback in the comp and, and the best half in the comp. You've so. already got a gun forward pack. They've got Latrell Mitchell got and depth. Manu. They've and got I a great coach. They've got a lot of money. Set it before the season started. He needed to put trust in those two, and they could be two of the best centers in the comp, and look how it panned out. Mm. One's now a Kiwi International, and the other's played Origin and is playing for Australia. He's literally taken that jersey. 
off Will Chambers. He challenged Friend, who started the year poor. Back end of the year, he was great. He challenged Jared by benching him. Back end of the year, he was great. Kiri, to me, was just the rock all year and got no credit and then delivered it in the most important game of all. He was yeah. exceptional this season. Liu, Tedavano, Collins when he comes in, Nat Butcher, like They've got better depth than anyone. Madison and Radley off the bench. And when they start, Orbison, like you speak all day. I don't care what anyone says. It's the best... Best like 17, but they've also got some of the better depth. Like Penrith have a great 30, but the Roosters, as far as like top end quality, like there's high quality in their depth and in their 17. And I'm not surprised, and I said it myself, tipping against my own side, that defensively I just thought they'd give Melbourne problems. And they bashed him in yardage, they pinned him in all year, regardless of how clunky they were with their attack, and they did struggle to figure it out. Robinson said it himself. He never wavered because defense is the cornerstone of the yeah, game, but and defense won them the comp. Look, they um they bought their best game on grand final night. Yeah. Melbourne didn't, and but defense who got knows them who knows what would have happened if Melbourne bought their best game. It probably would have been an absolute cracker, but we didn't get it. The Roosters totally deserved their victory. Uh, they were minor premiers, premiers, and as you said, that's strange that it's two years in a row because the minor premiership in the past, particularly, it's, yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a jinx, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, but there's not a lot to say. They they were great. They got better progressively as the year went on, and that's why I had Robinson as my coach of the year. I think he's in a difficult position because he's so blessed with so many players. Um, You've got to manage ego he, and time. The and... fact that they're the best in defense means that he's doing a good job with his coaching. Well, Attacking-wise, they've got enough good players there to attack well. Well, individually, um, said it all year, that saved Just them. to defend well. They Yeah, their defense was super, particularly in big games. Um yeah, credit to him. Look, I, I don't particularly, I don't dislike the Roosters as a club. I just dislike the fact that they're they're able to have so many players because of the salary cap and the TPAs and the way it is. But at the, at the moment, it favours them. Um, credit to them for utilising it to their advantage. Yeah, well, um, they they've won you know however many minor premierships they've won two comps in the last six years. Um, you know they've they've been in multiple grand finals there. I don't think they're quite as been as quite as dominant as Melbourne in the last decade to fifteen years, but um, they'd definitely be second uh, with probably Manly. Um, yeah, not not a lot more to say. They they got better as the year went on. Um, the grand final performance was super. I've never seen Melbourne beaten up like that with pretty much Melbourne's best side on the field. Um, Apart from that grand final. But that grand final we, for Manly, as much as Manly fans won't like it, Cameron Smith didn't play and he's the best hooker of all time. So What we got robbed of last year, he should have trusted Manu and Latrell. Yeah, but we're talking about last no, year. No, Let's that, talk about this year. I'm just saying, the, last year we should have seen this grand final yeah, with their two sides. We should have seen it two years in a row. And this I think year, Melbourne would have beaten them last year. It would have um, been a great game. Regardless. But, that's what I, I, but I think this year they were better. the Roosters would have beaten Melbourne even if you know um, Cronk was in the Melbourne side, I think. Um, well, the forward they, pack they would have beat them. The back five would have They beat them with tall players. Yeah, exactly. And the back five crashed us, and the pack was better as well. And the bench so, is better. Well done. Um, look, the Roosters, who do they lose? They lost. They lose um, Ferguson, well, but they get Crichton in, and then they get Hall and Brett Morris. So well, they're going to be better. Hall's off an ACL. So, and I don't think Morris. Okay, is, so they get Brett Morris. Morris isn't as good in yardage, but he's a good finisher. But you get Crichton in for Madison, and Madison was playing more so off the bench. Hello. So that's a clean swap. Momorowski only clean played Clean swap? It's, a, it's an upgrade. Newer Salah didn't play. O'Sullivan was good depth, but they've still got Lachlan Liam who will come in. Chris Smith didn't play. Vunaketsi wasn't playing. They're going to be better. Cornish. Unless they get hit with injuries, they're going to be better. And Cornish and O'Sullivan have already been replaced by Liam, who wasn't getting time at Newcastle. So, And the thing is, right, I think they're going to be better again because it's another preseason with the Cronk. 
They've still got Nat Butcher, who will be getting better. Lindsay Collins showed that he's a good replacement. And then again, you look across the comp, who's who's getting better than them? Who have you seen in Ross in terms of roster no, the that's getting still. better players to compete with them? Still Apart the best from side. maybe South, but they they've taken South one of South's best forwards, and he's going to now play for the Roosters. Well, look at this way, right? They got fifteen of their grand final side. Crichton will push into the back row, which means Orbison or the U goes to the yeah. bench. So you've basically they're better. The only player you're really replacing is Ferguson. is Ferguson. And they'll get enough out of Morris oh, no. until they find something from Hall uh, if he comes back later in the year healthy. And then in depth-wise, like I said... will go close to starting the season. Nat Butcher, Lindsay Collins, all these guys, Tedavana, like they've got enough there. So they're going to be fine. Yeah. And then they debuted Piasa, Famasula at the back end of the year another young forward like they're... I think I think the biggest challenge for this side now is going to be not is going to be themselves. Yeah, and this and is what we're going saying. back to back. They've really got to now. This is what we say every year though. Like this year for Melbourne, it was Curtis Scott and these couple of guys staying up Vunavalu yeah. because they want to comp and Nelson. This next year it's going to be Radley and Latrell and Manu, all the kids going. I want to keep winning comps and playing rep football. Yeah, you know that Cord and a friend etc. That Kiri they're going to stay on the bandwagon. Cronk. But it's the question of Yamanus, your Latrells, all these guys. And Tedesco, I, I don't question. He's now the Australian fullback. He doesn't strike me as that kind of person. But consistency yeah. and being hungry. We're done. But, yeah, looking at it, like we said, uh, predictions after all that, pretty good. Six from eight for me, five from eight from you, the top eight. Futures were all good. Overs, unders were all good. Uh, another solid year. Award show. Big time. Uh, other than that, I think... Just quick thank you to all our sponsors for another big season. So yeah. a big thank you goes out to Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and the boys there. If you want to get onto a system um, from them, now is the time to do it. That's for sure. It's that time of the year. www.penrithsolar.com.au. We'll call them on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make you the rule winners. Trust me, it's worthwhile. The P and Bolt Master, I have to think, was and the boys there. www.nepbolt.com.au. Fasteners, uh, engineering products, they give you all you need if you're a tradesman like myself. Total need sourcing packages for all associated segments of the trade game. Big thanks to Warren. Uh, the Poker Deluxe boys at the start of the year, they're on board for a bit there. If you're looking for a, a function for your club or a fundraiser, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. Paul and Adam, big thanks to them. And the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead, yep. who kindly came on board this year and took over the charity bet account. So mm. we finished up a bit. Bit dry on that sense, but I think we got to the one K mark, so yeah, we did. not too bad uh, for Bears of Hope. But we have to thank the boys there, Will, uh, Matt, coming on board, Lewis, etc. They didn't have to, but they did. Um, hopefully, we'll have some of these people back on board again next year. But yeah. and anyone who wants to is interested in sponsoring, um, click us a we'll inbox. Put or... some details out again, but absolutely, we'll we'll chase that up in in the new year. But um, for now, we're we're looking forward to a break. It yeah. is difficult, it's busy, um, and fitness in every week isn't easy, but um, yeah. we've done it, uh, and that's six seasons. That, that's um, And I went and did some stats, my friend. 2013, we did 45 episodes. Yeah, how many shows uh, we done? 2014, we did 37. 2015, 36. 2016, 34. 17, we did 38. This year, we did 42. That's including Game, Game Companions. companions. So 232 episodes in six seasons, and you say we do about 90 minutes an episode. So if you work out hours, it's 348 hours or 14 and a half days talking well, footy. Then you're not talking prep over time. The last, yeah, over the last six years. So You get the shits because I double, write a lot of stuff down. Right you can double gym. that time in prep. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of time, um, but we enjoy it. Yeah. Um, we yeah. didn't, unfortunately, didn't get key for this year. Gossip, 
bit of a change in circumstances for work. Like we said, we do this for free. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit maybe in sponsor kind of yeah, setup. Still sending his stuff through. He sends it through, but we're we're all busy. This is not a job for us, unfortunately. Um, as much as we'd like, we'd it love to it be. to be. But the biggest thing I have to say at the end, as I do every year, I have to thank Boxhead as I do every year because I was the gibber who wanted to kick this off and had a bit of an idea, and he was happy to back me up. His ears bleed basically every week because I never shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, we enjoy doing. For it. some reason, people like listening to us, and you've stayed with me, so I appreciate that. As I say every year, for coming on board and backing the idea and. I wouldn't uh, want to talk football with anybody else. So yeah, a big thank likewise, you to you. Likewise. And then we most importantly, it. as I say every year, is everybody that listens to this podcast and the fact that you do listen to us, you really, I don't think you don't understand how much we do enjoy doing this. And I don't want to stop doing this show, regardless of how busy, like I said, things are getting. You've now got a family. Uh, I've under a little more pressure at work because we've been put on contracts and shift work. So it's a bit harder in that regard. We're both coaching. Um, you know, you've got partners, social life. You've got to find a balance. But we do our absolute best every week and we really do hope um, that people enjoy the show as much as we enjoy doing it. Um, we do ramble at times and we get off on some tangents, but yeah. I'd like to think, like I said at the end of the day, people understand that we're passionate about rugby league, we love rugby league, and there's no other reason we'd be doing this um, if we didn't like the game. And, yeah, I just stuck stoked by the fact that it keeps growing. And I said that from the start. If it didn't grow, we wouldn't keep doing it. But yeah. it keeps growing, so keep supporting But us. there's a little bit of responsibility on everyone listening that it does grow, you know, like, Share it, retweet us, Facebook, um, tell friends about it, share the shows, write this thing's bloody awesome. Like I said before, iTunes, it takes two seconds if you listen. Five-star rating, give us a comment. If you're interested in coming on board for sponsorship, do so. We'll keep doing Game Companions next year. We're always looking for ways to evolve. And the other thing we probably haven't put out there, we've been doing sports luncheons and emceeing and bits and pieces. If you're involved in a sports club or you do a sports luncheons or you've got anything like that you want MC for, we've done bits and pieces in that regard as well. Well, we've so. done, now done, yeah, I've, well, you've done weddings. I've, I've done, done wedding weddings and I've done um, Rowan Jets and a few other ones as well. So yeah, we've done. Plus the ones with MG. And, um, yeah, so we're branching out. There's plenty of opportunities. Just inbox us. Um, and yeah, spread it. It's got, it's got to yeah to, to grow and to get growing. better. Um, we need people to spread the word and share it with friends and family and people who love the game. But um, other than that, monstrous podcast. This one. Like enjoy uh, enjoy your off season. Enjoy your Chrissy New yep. Year. Um, this will be it for us. We were going to do an NFL podcast, but to be honest, I need, I need a break. Yeah. Um, and final reminder, like I said, please get onto iTunes and that five star us, rate review us, and get ready for another massive year. And like Brock said, enjoy your off season, stay safe. Uh, you know, Christmas, New Year, all the bits and pieces, and we really look forward to another massive year. I'd say go the Falcons, but their season's already over. Nah, so <laughs> go the Patriots and yeah. the listeners' team of the year. I'll keep doing that in the next few days, and we'll finish it off. Uh, we're up to the halfback, so we've got the props, the back row, the lock, and the hooker to go. And obviously, now you've got our teams. Of the year, but and any suggestions on how we can improve the show? Feedback you'd like to see added, let us know. Always uh, for the last time, uh, massive thank you from both of us here from the bottom of our heart. You don't really understand how much we appreciate the fact that people listen and we just love rugby league and we're glad that you do too. But stay safe and we look forward to talking to you all again next season. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.